Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody, and welcome along to Midweek Mo- Oh, it's we're early, I've just realised. It's uh, a couple of minutes before 8 o'clock, you're getting us early, hope you've tuned in. If you haven't, you'll miss this bit, and I'll have said these words for no reason at all. Still only a minute to two. If you're on the podcast, it doesn't matter to you at all, but um, I'll tell you what, we'll... Um, Shall we have a word for our sponsors for a minute or so? I know, I don't know, we'll crack one. It's Midweek Motorsport. Uh, It is Series 10, Episode 4, the one after Daytona. Uh, Good evening, welcome to you uh, if you are joining us. And uh, up in London, uh, we have Tim Grell, executive producer. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And good evening, everybody. On a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, We have uh, features. I'm just checking that it is 10.04, and it is. You're absolutely right with that. Yes, it is. I, that's, I know that because I've got stuff in a folder that says Series 10.04. Yeah. Almost as if we'd, we planned this and put things in numbers. You know, it's not like we're like those people who get on a plane, get on, uh, you know, halfway down the plane, like, say, Robot 11, and you look, and you can see them looking, and it's 37A on mm. then. So they go, all right, okay, this, this, is, this is row 11. Okay, Take a couple of row steps forward. Ah, this is row 13. Row 13, and then they walk another couple of... 14! Because obviously it's going to go 11, 12, 13, 37. That's always what happens, isn't it, when you have numerical progressions like that. It's not the Fibonacci sequence. That's not how people number plane seats. Sorry, can you tell I'm Perhaps still Perhaps they ought to up. be. Your voice hasn't recovered from uh, Daytona <coughs> yet, has it? Uh, mm. Well, I was pretty, I was pretty poorly when we went out there, so I'm still pretty poorly now, and um, I haven't got very much time to uh, recover. However, numbering seats by the Fibonacci sequence, I think that we might be onto something. Hey, uh, hello there, and uh, we are up and running. It's now just after eight o'clock. So, did you just like the way we filled there, just for a moment? That Not really. Good. We've got so much to talk about tonight. That's just waffle, and uh, yeah. it means we'll have less time talking about important stuff, like well, uh, the opening round of the World Rally Championship oh. took place in uh, Monte Carlo at the weekend. Okay. Lovely. Uh, it's Wednesday, the twenty-eighth of January. We are up and running on uh, RadioLamont.com. Lots of new listeners, I expect uh, this week. Thank you to everybody for their efforts on IMSA Radio at the weekend. And uh, if you hadn't heard us before and you've come across to find out what it's like, it's more of the same. So it's the same irreverent nonsense that we had last weekend, except this time we haven't even got to bother about looking at stuff on the track. We can be uh, attracted by anything shiny that passes by or indeed uh, or indeed pops up on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective, which is the forum on RadioLamont.com. Or on Twitter, which is at Radio Le Mans or at Specutainment. 
and Tim Gray, as we said, is up in London and alongside me, just off to my right, geographically, although hardly, I would think, politically. Oh no, I think he's a lot to your right politically. Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent. Hello, Nick. Oh, you must be on that one. Yeah. Hello, John. Hello, Tim. I don't think I'm far to the right of anyone, really. I'm, 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 I'm very I'm much uh, uh, sitting on the fence with splinters deciding what I'm going to do in really? 100 days' time. Yeah. Just to prove that we're live, uh, it's yep. still yes. nil-nil. <laughs> Somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> no, at Bramall Lane. Oh. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, and that's the semi-final of the Milk Cup, isn't it? It is. The Rumblows Cup, I think it's... Uh, uh, whatever that's called nowadays. Rumblows, um, no, no one went to see these. They've gone. Yes. Already very, very busy and very feisty on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective. Hello to Stu G, Christopher, Christopher Matthias, Right Turn Lover, KP's in there uh, as well. And uh, Mark EJ. Uh, was Fish and Chips tonight, by the way. Uh, Selena 7R's in there as well. Uh, good to have your company. Busy on the Twitterage as well. Nick's just. Uh, finished off his tattinger and is uh, <laughs> he's sucking a bit of coffee um, right. I suppose we better get started you got a news jingle there I do uh, but first uh, you oh. mentioned uh, Facebook people uh, yes. earlier on today I posted a photo of a racing driver on Facebook in a canoe, uh, in a canoe. it wasn't um, Stefan Rawhansen it wasn't was so uh, Billy Boat or no, Alan no. McFish no. or uh, Roman Rosinoff or even Benoit Trawler which I quite liked. Um, you yes, very good, very good. Admiral Nelson Pantsitichi. <laughs> that was very good. That was from uh, Johanna's. Uh, Marine O. Frankitty. Very good, very if you, good. If you were thinking, it could be Admiral Nelson P.K. Jr., couldn't it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, very nasty, yes. Um, Graham Goodwin uh, didn't play along and said, Is it Craig Dolby? No. Uh, so, once Graham Goodwin joins us in the second hour of the show, I will reveal who it was. Yes, very good. Uh, all right, play the news jingle and let's get cracking. It's nearly five past eight. You can play we were early just now. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll have to fill a bit there, just in case anybody was coming late. So you can't pull the bus out of the station. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And our first story is what? Uh, Formula One. And I'm pleased to say that uh, Formula One correspondent Nick Damon joins us tonight. Hello, Tim. Hello, everyone, again. Uh, And uh, good news if you're from uh, East Anglia. Um, And uh, and you're a GP3 champion. And your name's Alex. And your name's Alex. That's right. Uh, Because he's signed as the uh, development driver for Williams. Yes. He has, which means he gets to play on the simulator and gets a day's running after the Barcelona test. But, interestingly, John, who was signed as the reserve driver Williams just recently? Uh, I know this. Uh, Susie Wolf. Hmm. Now, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible day and Valtteri Bottas stubs his toe really, really badly and can't race. Mm-hmm. So Susie Wolf is there. Is she allowed to take his place? Uh, has she got a... Uh... A super license. How many points she got for a super license, John? Ah, you need forty. How many she got? None. Exactly. How many points has Alex Lynn got? Uh, forty. Forty. Yes. So Alex Lynn, <laughs> despite not being the official reserve driver, is the only one who can take over if they need a reserve driver. Fantastic. Okay. Carry on then. Uh, so that's good news for him. It is. 
But uh, he, he, uh, interestingly, he's had to he's had to decide to leave the Red Bull program with his own accord. Yeah. Ah, right. So okay. he's gone out of the Red Bull program to join the Williams program, which is probably the Hamleys program or that um, nor- that Icelandic um, recruitment consultancy program. And uh, yeah, so he's now he's actually volunteer. He hasn't been dropped by Red Bull. He volunteered and negotiated his way out because he said it, it, it's all full. This Red Bull and Toro are too full. Right. Okay. So he's and basically very short uh, in terms of career. Usually, yes. After and he's, Verne. But he's, and he's still doing. Uh, is it Dams he's doing it with uh, GP2? Uh, he may well be. Yes. Yeah. So he's doing GP. So he'll get lots more points. He'll still be eligible next year uh, when Susie Wolf isn't. Uh, the well, even without doing anything, he would be. Um, who was uh, the last development uh, driver at Williams? Valtteri Bottas. And what happened to him? I don't know, nothing, I think. I think he just, yeah, people found his name really hard to spell, and that was it, really. <laughs> <laughs> and who was the previous development driver at uh, Williams for Valtteri? Oh, uh, well, that's a, good, that's a really good question. Um, hmm. Was uh, it Susie Wolf again? No. No, it wasn't Pasta, was it? It wasn't Pasta. Oh, actually, no, no, my brain's now clicking through. I think I do knew that. Uh, oh, no, you have to help me. I, I, I can't, I'm on air on radio for that long. Who was it? Uh, I'll let you I'm going to for a little bit longer while we move on to the next story and uh, okay. we'll come back to that uh, but suffice to say they both uh, became full-time Formula 1 drivers right. oh really so we, we are seeing some kind of pattern that Williams development drivers become full-time F1 drivers yes okay, deal. okay. Uh, we've seen some more pictures this week as well haven't we Nick of cars are being relaunched. Yes. yes. Well, I think the thing to say, is, of course, it all kicks off tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow is the, is the McLaren launch, and ah. then we've got five more launches. Well, over actually, the six next more launches over the next days. three days before mm. they actually start running on Sunday. So yeah, we've got McLaren tomorrow. I haven't got the program in front of me. I know that Ferrari are launching, I think, on Saturday. Um, Red Bull on on and as late as possible. as well. So it's all you're chuffed, John, because Formula One starts tomorrow for 2015. Good. No, no, I'm I'm quite excited as ever. I always listen. I always go into any new season of of motorsport and f- including Formula One with um, excitement abounding, um, and and it often takes me longer than others to become completely disenchanted with it. <laughs> but <laughs> again, and feel let down and disenfranchised. But, yeah. but I am looking forward to F1. I'm very this excited, year. and uh, I think tomorrow's launch is going to be particularly exciting because it's the McLaren Honda one. And we should see a number of interesting things on that, including the influence of uh, Peter, I can't pronounce his surname, Mendu's uh, aerodynamics. And uh, yeah, everyone's saying that the Hareth test is a bit is a bit kind of null and void because of the odd track surface and design. But it'd be interesting to see how, whether Renault can get their reliability up. And we've got the new engines out there. And the question is, is will the chasing pack be any closer to Mercedes? My guess is no. Will they no, be any further away? Are. Possibly. Yes, I think so. Uh, possibly it's it's uh you know we, we i think yeah the the idea that because oh, you, you've really mucked up your design of engine that when you improve it you get more gains than someone who got it right in the first place is i think uh, clutching faint straw hope combination i of, think if you got it wrong in the first place you just got it wrong which is generally ricardo's thing okay okay because they've got more they've got more to make up they'll be all right okay not really sure of that danny i, mean, I know you're very smiley and positive that's possibly putting too much of a he has got his super smile he has he should be he should be sponsored by colgate rather than anyone else mm. or some other two other po- other two yeah and i'm sure it's called i'm sure it's not called colgate in other countries but 
Yeah, I, I'm very excited. I'm excited about this weekend. It's all getting going, and we're going to see what the cars look like, and they'll probably look very similar with different paint jobs. Um, but yeah, it's it's finally what? after the full, the phony war's gone. What paint job are we expecting on the McLaren? That's a good we question. Know. We don't good know, question. but we do know that the overalls are silver, uh, thanks to uh, the tweetage, which showed the boys in their overalls. But the overalls were very plain. They had no sponsorship on them, really, apart from Johnny Walker and um, Honda. So whether there's a, a big reveal of a major sponsor, McLaren insisted they don't need one. Uh, I can't think... You know, they might not need one, but 10 million bucks is always quite nice. Um... But yeah, we don't we don't actually know what the core colour is going to be. The idea is it won't be silver because silver is the uh, the silver arrows is Mercedes. So we could go. I mean, I'd think they, they, it must be about time they actually race an orange car. Mm. It's always been a test and development colour. So will they actually finally race one? No, no. It'll be in it'll be in Honda colours, won't it? Which is red and white. Uh, white, black, and red. Yes. Mm. Unless there's a big sponsor, and then it'll be something else. I've just, by the way, tweeted at Speculative. If you don't follow at Speculative, I know thousands of you do. I have just. Uh, tweeted a picture of the new Nick Damon, new and improved. <laughs> yes, with, with your uh, with your wife, the responsible adult's description of what I am now. Is Lum- he, is he lumbersexual? He's got all lumbersexual. I'm yeah. lumbersexual. Mm-hmm. Has he got a thinner middle? No, I've just gone beardy. Mm. Yeah. So, who won a race with facial hair? Not me, but I am on the radio with was it. Was it Nico Hulgenberg who was the previous development driver at Williams? I think you're right, it was, yeah. Correct answer. That's Ryan West. Well done, Ryan. Well done, Ryan. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't have time to do research. That's a wonder for knowing it. Susie <laughs> was a development driver as well. And was not Bruno Senna a development driver as well? Uh, I think he was before Nico, though, wasn't he? Oh, OK. Right. And I'm sure Susie was there and a development driver before, and then she got thrown out and then she came back, didn't she? No, I don't believe so. Oh, OK. She's always been in the background. She's got kind of influence there somewhere. I don't know where Did have at the time. He's still there. There was a point a where they had uh, Alex Wirtz as a um, a driver coach. A driver coach, but and he wasn't called driver mentor. coach, was he? He was a mentor. 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 Mental mentor. Men- mentoring Nico Rosberg and mm. uh, people like that. Anyway, moving on. Come on, crack on tonight. Lots of new people. We want to, we want to who, show ourselves in the best light. Who is not going to Hareth then? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going. India. No, no, hang on. I'm not going. Nick's not going, and you're not going to. And Force India aren't going. Oh, really? And obviously Marussia aren't going, and Caterham aren't going. Well, they don't exist. Uh, they they very much do exist. They shouldn't be allowed to exist. They exist as a debting organisation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, Force India, who were going to go with their 2014 car uh, and take the cash from renter drivers, have now decided that's pointless and aren't going at all. Mm-hmm. That's after they went to Mexico last week and launched their paint job. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Where Sky Sports actually said that the reason they were there is because they've been paid to be there by the sponsors. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and we did see some of their 2015 car there. The nose. The nose. Or, no, yes. no, that was a mock-up of what the nose is probably going to look like. Of course. Really? Yes. Apparently, Nick Holland thinks you look like a young John Peel. I don't mind this young anything I'll take. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and also, I really like the undertones as well, so that's fine. Okay. We're uh, playing the rest of the programme at 33. <laughs> okay. Okay. Come on. Uh, so they'll be joining at Barcelona. Barcelona. In three mm-hmm. weeks' time. For the first yes. two tests there. Yeah. Um, so uh, this weekend, as you say, McLaren launched tomorrow, Ferrari on Friday, Sauber also on Friday, Toro Rosso on Saturday, Mercedes and Red Bull on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's when they wheel the car out, they take lots of photographs and wheel it back, and the Spice Girls aren't involved, and it's very low-key, it's not on at all. Which is very disappointing. 
I know. I mean, it hasn't, I, I do point out, realise now that the Spice Girls wouldn't be an apt band, but there must be other girl groups available now who'd be able to do it. Or not girl groups, just other rock bands. Yeah, boy groups, it's fine. I mean, I'm one, sure direction. one Direction. One Direction, I mean, absolutely. Um, who else? Um, what happened to the good old... Vampire Kicks, is it or something? Or... What? The Vamps. The Vamps and Rizzle Kicks, that's two, yeah. <laughs> what, whatever happened to I'm the so up with it. great old days of... Um, Massive amounts of spending from Formula One teams. Do you know what happened? What cigarette money went? No, uh, no, no, yeah. no, Nick. It was there was a cost cap, and they weren't allowed to spend all this money. Ah, uh, really? That, yeah, that, that cost cap, which works everywhere else. Yeah, that people ignore for everything else except. Hold on, the cost launch. cap. No, the cost cap never covered marketing or driver salaries. Oh, oh good point. He's right, you know. Isn't it annoying when he's always right? He's not always right, but he was in this case. And Thank this is much. annoying. Moving on. <laughs> because now he's smug. Uh-huh. Smug? I, do you know what I do? I'm going to rub my beard with smugness. Uh, as well. Listen, you can hear it if you listen very carefully. There we go. Beard rubbing. <laughs> in a very thoughtful way. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, do you know what? I better get a pipe on. Uh, I don't think you will. Uh, I like it with rough shag. Who's been in trouble this week? With the FIA. Uh, Lindsay Buckingham. He was always looking for trouble. Do you mean Philip Streif? I do. Streif. Streif, sorry. Really? Yeah, he backed down very quickly, didn't he? Well, he backed down as soon as the FIA uh, sued him okay. for slander. The FIA, the FIA are very fond of, at the moment, the, the French connection in the FIA, which is uh, Jean Totten, the medical officer's name, I can't forget. Have you a go at Gary Hartson? And he went, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, who Because he was... Um, only because he's re-espousing his own views on the, the, the head injuries of uh, both Bianchi and uh, Schumacher. And now Philippe Streff has kind of inferred that there was some form of cover-up to prevent the FIA and the report into the accident of Bianchi and it, uh, Suzuka. Um, in this one, the FIA came back really quite quickly. I think probably they were right. I think I, I think it's a, bit, it's a bit heavy-handed to have gone in straight into the legal action. They've probably been much easier just having a quick word with Philippe and asking him to, to retract what he said. Um Philippe blamed it on his condition. Of course, he he broke his neck. Was it testing or during the race for Brazil, Tim? I don't know. And he's uh, been um, uh, quarter preaching ever since. Couple of uh, qu- quotes from the collective. Uh, Amp quadruple eight says one of the Spice Girls might be involved in the Red Bull launch at least. That is true. Very good. And uh, Marino Franchitti. Hi, Marino. Uh, he said to the picture I've just posted of you. Is that the dude from My Name Is Earl? <laughs> Oh, this is good. I, I... He's like a younger version. Mm. Uh, and Shea says, lend him your razor. Oh, Shea, he's so conventional. You shouldn't share you seem razors. To think, you, you seem to think that uh, young girls think you look younger. No, no, the only person who thinks I look younger is me. Okay. Uh, I have deluded myself, and therefore I'm trying to get kind of validation from anyone. And Either th- sex, any age. And uh, Amp Quadruple Ed follows up saying, oh, on our li- last uh, point, Strife in Strife headlines, not employed. Mm-hmm. Which it should have been, of course. Moving on, you listen to Midweek Motorsports, just after quarter past eight in the UK, quarter past three Eastern, uh, if you're listening in the US. And thank you for the majority of our audience, which came from the US at the weekend, a record audience for the Daytona 24 hours uh, and not just for our production um, for any production <laughs> it's quite remarkable um, I think we other than the network television we outperformed uh, when the two hours of network on I think we outperformed everything uh, that we had expected and anybody else had so thank you and uh, over half of you 
uh, were in the United States. So there may be a few extra listeners tonight. Where we're going next? By the way, second half of the show tonight, second hour after four o'clock Eastern, nine o'clock here in the UK, we will be looking back on Daytona. We've got some uh, guests to welcome into the program, and we'll be uh, looking back at the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, Daytona and the Rolex 24 uh, in hour two of the program. Where to next, Timus? We've got a lot to fit into this first hour. Well, just to prove that we are still live, uh, there's been no, a no. goal. Oh. oh. Um. <laughs> That's very. That is very good. I've, is it for Tottingham? Have I ever told you that story about when I walked in the, worked on the BBC in the North East and somebody did do that where we said uh, to, towards the end of a programme as we were about to go to the network, uh, just a quick uh, opportunity to catch up on tonight's scores. It's a full time for all of our local teams now and here's the results. 1-0, 2-1, 0-0 and 4-3. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs> I must dig that up from somewhere. Okay, uh, moving on. We're going to Germany next. Are we? Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the uh, German touring cars, DTM, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, who've announced a sports car driver will be joining uh, one of their teams. And in fact, Mercedes uh, have uh, picked one of their own drivers. Mm. And who? This is Maxi Gertz. Ah, who good. has uh, won the Blancpain Sprint Series and FIA GT1 Championship or whatever it was called before then um, Stefan Rattel's pet project he's raced a lot of Stefan Rattel's uh, projects because he's also done the um, German GT you see, when Masters. you started this item I thought you were going to say we're off to Germany now because F1 isn't I thought that was going to be the link in I didn't know we moved away from F1 at that point we have moved away from F1 okay so we may move back really we may have stories which are not really F1 but will verge back towards it it's getting quite complicated now sounds like a, a, a traffic plan more than a radio show uh, so uh, he tested in Hereth in December and now Toto Wolf has uh, decided that he wants him racing the car. Uh, what do we think Maxi said uh, in his statement? Uh, ever since I was a young boy, it's been my dream to drive a Mercedes in the, in the Deutsche Tory March to Washington. No. Oh, um, that's disappointing. I'm really upset about this. I'd much rather been disco dancing in a beef with Jaime Agaswari. The moment when I first found out that I'll be racing in the DTM in 2015 will stay with me for a very long time. Mm, That could be read in two different ways, can't it? (laughs) Does he mean in a good way with that? He he goes on to say, it's a little bit like a dream come true. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's not a dream come true then. It's a little bit like one though. Uh, I'll be doing everything I can to achieve success, but I'm also aware that I have a lot to learn which means he knows that he's not in one of the good Mercedes cars and uh, therefore will be trolling around I'll in midfield. I'll be really honest with you. I don't understand this good Mercedes cars bad. This is one thing the DTM I've not understood. Now that they're all the same officially, why are the good ones and bad ones? I, mean, I know it used to be the case where one was two years old yes, and one was exactly. a year old and that was fine. But I don't understand now when they're, now they're all the same. There are, you know, why they why they good ones and bad ones. It sounds like if you can't actually get seven cars or six cars to go well, then you're not reading your job properly. I think there are reasons why some manufacturers want some of their cars to do better than others of their cars. Well, that sounds very Machiavellian and not at all Germanic. Mm. Uh, Graham Goodwin's just piped up with uh, Nightmares Are Like Dreams. There we are. 
That sounds like a really mm. bad song by some 90s pop band. No, Nightmares Are Like Dreams are in fact a bad 90s pop band, and you being John Peel sitting in the corner oh, should have known that. Dreams can come true. Mm. Maybe not. Uh, back to the UK. Hooray! Whoosh! And uh, the government's not going to do anything. Well, there we are. Not really a news <laughs> item no, now, is it? Just in a statement in 99 of fact. days, a different government will do bugger all. Sorry, not very much. <laughs> Or it might well no it will be a different government it might be most of the same people oh yeah I mean it, we could have a different one half could still be there in alliance with somebody else uh, last Maybe year not. a petition was uh, launched requesting yes. the government introduce a mandatory waiver blocking anyone who wishes to buy or rent a property near to an existing circuit from complaining about the noise yes the common sense idea about the whole thing 38,000 yes. people signed right and they ignored it uh, and DEFRA not enough uh, said Existing planning guidance and Which safeguards... Which is the Department for the Environment... Food and Rural food, Affairs. R- rural Affairs, right, OK. ...said existing planning guidance and safeguards specific to motorport venues mean formal legislation is not required. Excellent. So what they've basically said there, if you go to a, uh, an established motorsport venue and mm-hmm. and, uh, and complain, you're not going to have your complaints What if, you, what if you've lived seriously? somewhere the whole time and then you break up with your husband and as a matter of vendetta try and get his track shut down? Is that covered oh, by that? That would never happen. Would it not? OK, all right. But, uh, but on the other side of that, what if you'd lived somewhere forever and were quite happy to live next to a motorsport and somebody rode roughshod through the... Uh, Decibel the limits in number of days. Where would yes. that happen? What if you owned a circuit and the circuit tra- 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 played two different local councils off each other to get the best it could get out of both of them and then, and then didn't deliver on its None promises? None of those things <laughs> would ever happen or are based on real life events. Well, how about what you if you sold you... off? Sorry. What if you built a circuit <laughs> in a place where there was no housing to avoid this problem and then on the land that you owned around the circuit you sold that off uh, for people to build houses on? That's yes. it. Yeah. What if you built a circuit on poisoned land with the wind going the wrong way? What if? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, for those of you not in the UK, all these things really have happened, believe it or not. What if <laughs> you uh, planned to build a circuit in on common land in a relatively populous area uh, yes. with poor transport links? And do you then then were you surprised with the public inquiry for eight days? Mm. Uh, let's move back to comments coming in. <laughs> DTM, even when they're all the same, there's always always a, a dud in there, just like rental carts. That's very good. Moving on. Graham's just got other motorsport venue fiascos are available. Yeah, but we have more than our fair share of them here in the UK. Do you know what? The one track I know nothing about going wrong is Pembrey. It must be perfect. Well, that is in the middle of nowhere, though, isn't it? Remember that it is Anglesey. described in, it, in its own PR as... Uh, uh, a vital stepping stone on the uh, route to Formula One. Yes, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that several of the drivers can spell Pembrey. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Uh, we're not really moving on because we're staying okay. with uh, petitions. No, <laughs> we're staying because with there's a, another petition that we do have to speak about. Yes. I'm going to talk about a, a circuit that we mentioned okay. there just now. Right. Okay. Right, without naming name, it. Yes. Um, which is uh, coming close to Formula One again, oh, uh, because Silverstone has announced some price cuts. Oh, that's they have. And didn't didn't we talk no, about he this? He wanted to, mm-hmm. and now he's done it, hasn't he? There is a now. He a said ni- he wanted to do ninety nine quid and free for under tens, and he accompanied did, by an adult. Yes, and uh, and this was the man who did the voiceover for Protect and Survive, of course. Mm-hmm. 
um, who who is the new chief executive of Patrick um, Allen. And, and I saw Patrick it being, I saw it being announced, and I then saw and the now thread put on Facebook, which was just full of people who bought tickets at different prices. Yes, including one person who said, and this is ama- this is just amazing that Silverson were charging this. They paid eighty-seven pounds for a three-year-old. Yeah, it's like. So they're now going, do we get refunds? And I'm going, no, I don't it, but again, give it a And go. here's the other thing. Wasn't I think this that's from... quite a bargain, actually, Nick, because they say that it costs uh, £25,000 to bring up a child, so for a three-year-old to be £87, that's really and quite anyone good. That the spakes a man with no children. And, and also, uh, anyone who's bought a child uh, anywhere what, in the world... buy children? Um, no, no, you, I mean, sorry, adopted is what I meant to say, wasn't I? But by the time you've paid everything for it, it can cost thirty or $40,000 in the States from people who've done that. Yeah, well, so, okay. buy, you know, a, child, a three-year-old for 87 quid is actually quite... But only for a day. Oh, uh, really? In a field in Northamptonshire. Do they charge VAT? Buckinghamshire. Do they charge VAT on top of that? Mm, uh, that includes point. the VAT, I believe. Surely that's a three-day child. Three-year-old child. For three days. Mm, okay. It's a child rental policy. But don't worry, because for the next yeah. six years, that child can go in for free when accompanied by an adult. Any adult doesn't have to be an adult that knows him. Yes, absolutely it's not. Worth a child rental and any adult. Really not. Well, I think we we'll go back to the problem thing we heard two weeks ago, which this is great and absolutely brilliant. The only question I have is, how are they going? How are they going to get? many thousands more people in there to make the money back up again well and also it was all on the, the assumption that they would all go and buy more stuff which would mean so your burger is now 103 pounds all buy more stuff which would mean more revenue uh, to the circuit but as we mentioned the other day all the stuff that they are likely to spend their money on the circuit doesn't get the revenue from gets it for burger vans doesn't it no you have the, they've got the, the F1 village which is all the official stuff and I think the burger vans are, Saint, are actually Saint, are Silverstone's so when you buy your gourmet burger or happy burger, or it may be, most cases your kind of miserable burger, which is more money than a child for three days, it has to be now, doesn't it? Yes, really, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be ninety they've quid lost, now for a they've burger. They've lost eighty-seven. They're going to they're going to frisk you on the way. You can bet there's going to be a cool box ban, can't you? And they'll frisk you on the way in, and they'll, they'll, they'll nick your sausage rolls and pork pies. Rob Jenner has just tweeted at Spec Entertainment uh, and Radio Le Mans. Very funny. Better than EastEnders, the UK circuit sagas. <laughs> and uh, Jonathan Main says, Pembrey, rain, soggy hot dogs and Formula Vauxhall Lotus. Oh, they the hot dogs memories. there. Ooh. They did. They did. Richard Leach said, I'm selling a child right now. If you can... <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've all had days like that. Uh, Rob Jenner says, free for under 10s with an adult. I'm taking the whole junior section of my school. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, there's uh, only one Pembroke is the only track probably where Advantage GT3 is raced with no silences says Andrew hang on I'll have to say that a bit louder for Andrew because clearly he's got no hearing if you're you're an independently minded nine year old you could just walk up there turn up and just attach yourself an adult couldn't you yeah yes you'd have to have a ticket obviously but it would be a ticket that you'd got for free so hang on uh, oh, okay and can we move on from this because it's, it's it's not that with legal issues yes and I'm frankly borderline uncomfortable <laughs> let's uh, let's move on you're listening to Midweek Motorsport it's nearly half past eight but it was nearly eight o'clock when we started so we've been on for half an hour so uh, what's next team so if you're an adult without children <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yes carry yes. on and you want to go to the British Grand Prix and spend yes. a huge amount of money and yes. now that the tickets are £99 you've been denied that opportunity mm-hmm. yes good point 
Well, our next story is good news for you. Right. Because KHP Consulting is delighted to announce it's once again being recognised as a former on Paddock Club official authorised global distributor. Excellent. And this year they're offering a whole load... Free children. Of... <laughs> of free children for people to bring into fo- Formula One events to swell the numbers. Of uh, no? new uh, offers. Incentives. Incentives. Uh, so, yeah, if you buy a Bring three, one child, get one free. If you buy a three-day uh, paddock club pass... Yes. You get an extra ticket for Friday. Excellent. What, a paddock ticket or just uh, a paddock club ticket? Paddock club ticket. ticket. Oh, wow. You'd obviously need a ticket to get in on top of that. Uh, How much is a three-day paddock club ticket? You don't uh, want to price, know. Prices vary. 1,800 quid. Oh, no. I, I would think three grand and above. It does vary massively from venue to venue, though. Um, yeah. You now it's, get... It's, it averages more than a grand a day. But do you not think they're missing a trick? Because what they could do is lend out children <laughs> and no because one of the great things about taking say you haven't got any kids but you want to experience taking a child to their first motorsport event it's uh-huh. not be your child and they have these kids who are trained See, to I'm look on things with wide eyes. right we need to stop there <laughs> I'm, now I'm taking, feeling uncomfortable again <laughs> taking other people's children to a race meeting no strangers children I've done that Listen, I was always told by my mother that when I grew up not to talk to strange children. I was always told that. <laughs> Particularly at motorsport events. They'll just come at you looking. My mum said she was she was right on. They'll just come up here looking wide-eyed at everything and they'll draw you in. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you'll be paying for their education until they're 23. Yeah, that does happen, actually. Uh, <laughs> you get dinner now in the Paddock Club on Friday night. Excellent. Uh, and there's now a business centre which you can use for meetings, presentations or private working. Mm. Yeah, can we not do any more Formula One now? Because that no, that was exciting. <laughs> that was interesting. Carry on. Uh, do you want to do bikes or rallying? Bikes. That <laughs> what? That's not a choice. <laughs> that's fabulous or most pointless in the world. That's Monte Carlo though. And I Rose missed the Monte Carlo. I missed the Monte Carlo because I was away working. So let's do bikes then for Nick. Uh, Yoni Hernandez hurt himself. Yes, he, he did the one thing I can't. Uh, I I have total sympathy with. He dislocated his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And, and how did practice. he do that? Playing tennis. Yes, that's absolutely <laughs> correct. Uh, or the or falling off a bike, but not really telling people what happened. Or the unofficial story would be falling Motocross. off a dirt bike. Yes, yes. Mm. he won Pablo Montoya did. Mm. Okay, uh, so. He rides. Who's he ride for? He's a Ducati. He's isn't a Ducati he? satellite team. Yeah. So his bike's not ready yet, anyway. No, it's a very good point, actually. Uh, Ex- excellent. So bikes there, Tim. Well, well done. Must be so, <laughs> so he's. No, I remember that from when we discussed it two weeks ago. Oh, don't stop. No, no. Remembering things not part of this show. You know that. So, he's uh, injured himself so that, and he. The consequence of that is he'll miss a test that he wouldn't have been able to do anything at in the first place. Uh, yeah. What have Yamaha done today? I don't know. That's exciting. I haven't seen today's Yamaha. They all news. went to work like they should have done. That's what they did. Everybody at Yamaha went to work today. Oh, they've unveiled their new bike. In Madrid today. Madrid. Which is called the same as last time. It it's called the Yamaha still the same Madrid. as last time. The YZR M1. It's got Movistar sponsorship. Movistar. Um, they've had Movistar sponsorship for a while, but uh, there seems to be a lot more of it now. Yes, it's more green. It, it, uh, they've picked up more of the. What's the uh, massive differences from last year's bike? It's got more movie star sponsorship on it. 
Right. Well, no, I think I think the, the they were catching up fast to the Honda. Um, and this um, is, of course, the this will be uh, ridden by Valentino Rossi and Jorge, and Jorge Lorenzo, Lorenzo. And Lorenzo, of course, was beaten by the 36-year-old Valentino Rossi. Still sore about that. He's trying to buy. He's trying to get a small child to put on the back of uh, Valentino Rossi's bike at every race as a as success. And, and is he paying eighty-seven pounds for each yeah, race? Eighty-seven. Yeah. yeah. He'll be paying in euros. But of course, three, it's a big it's, it's a big year for Yamaha because they they need to bridge the performance gap to Honda to have a chance at all. Because of course, with Marquez, he is probably far, probably the, the best rider by a distance. In all serious though, they, they did look better towards the end of last year when they got their heads around the bike. I think that there was a kind of I think even Marquez lost his intensity. He was he was winning his second championship with ease. And he made a couple of. He was, he was he was pushing. He didn't need to. I think he was just going. He for did wins. fall off at the world's slowest but corner. But the interesting thing is, I think what the key thing that happened at the back end of last year was that Rossi went so well on that bike that you know if you kind of thought if he had a Honda he he would be able to match Marquez. So the um, what I can see from the pictures, and obviously that doesn't work on radio, but if you go on any uh, internet site. It already looks like it's got even a shorter wheelbase than last year's bike. That is going to turn the very well The real question well is indeed. what they've done with the engine and whether they've managed to... What the Honda has, of course, is that seamless gearbox, which is an incredible advantage. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing you don't get on the, on the custom Honda. It's still a very good you know, racing gearbox with a seamless gear change. And it's one of the, one of the, the treats, I think, of the, uh, the MotoGP's coverage. When you actually go on board with the thing, you can listen to it going through the gearbox. Well, you can't hear it, but you can see it doing it because the numbers move up. The gear selects. It's amazing, but, isn't it? But, yeah, I mean, this, the, the, the MotoGP season has the... It's either going to be fantastic. This is going to sound really obvious. It's either going to be fantastic or a damp squib. Yeah. And we'll know two races in. Because if Honda had the best bike again, then Marquez is going to win. When is the first race? It will be in Qatar. Qatar. And I think it's is it first week of April. Am I, Island, I think right? it's uh, end of March, isn't it? I Last week of March, race. first week of... The, car, the cars, the, sorry, the bikes pop brilliantly underneath the lights. It. I and also, the, 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 you often get an odd result because of two things. One, because they, they suffer, as do all the far, uh, the Middle East tracks with dust. But also, they, you get big temperature drops and dew, dew point falling as well. It goes out at it's a proper night race. Um, more in a moment. We'll have some rallying in a moment. But uh, let's go to Twitter and to the Midweek Motorsport uh, Listeners Collective, which I will refresh as I am speaking. Uh, but on Twitter, uh, this... From Emma Crawley, she says, For a long time I never paid to get into Croft as I was under 15. Then I started helping run the rallycross meetings, and I'm still not paying. <laughs> uh, Rob Jenner says, Very good. Uh, Rob Jenner says, You buy a three day pack. He said, uh, What do you buy a three day paddock club pass with? He says, A mortgage. Shea <laughs> uh, Adam, hello, Gearbox Girl. I bought one nephew nearly 11 years ago, and I've since been paying for the other four nephews and niece ever since. <laughs> oh dear, we've. Uh, appears that kids might have a purpose after all free GP tickets and MotoGP ballast that's very good and uh, Alonso has a proper beard says uh, Richard Lee he's been growing it for years give us a chance he's three weeks Martin Haven um, has said uh, uh, pointed out the remarkable similarity between you and Fernando Alonso um, I can't see it in the list and I, I don't think I have his attitude nor his talent He's not as good as an RC racing this year, are? No, he's not. He does play, he does fiddle with it a bit occasionally. 
and he's, apparently he's no good at RC racing either. <laughs> hey. uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport, nearly 20 minutes to 9, that's 20 minutes before 4 o'clock in the afternoon uh, on the eastern side of the United States of America. If you are tuning in perhaps for the first time to Midweek Motorsport, thanks for listening to IMSA Radio at the weekend. Second hour of the programme, starting in just over 20 minutes time, we'll be looking back at the Rolex 24 at Daytona, but up in London... Uh, we have, sorry, up in London we have our executive producer Tim Greer uh, here at the studio in the centre of England. It's Nick Damon and John Hindhoff. We'll be joined by Graham Goodwin of Daily Sports Car. What, from his shed? It's not a shed. <laughs> from GGHQ and from the left coast of America by racers Marshall Pruitt in the second hour of tonight's show. All right, that's all very nicely tied up what's coming later. But Tim, what have you got for us now? You mentioned you had the photos now, the press photos of the... Uh, Yamaha. Yes. Yes. Uh, does it include the uh, photo of Jorge Lorenzo? Uh, I've got a photo of him with his hands in his pockets, looking cash. Yeah, blue shirt and the yes. monster cap. The monster cap. Yes. That's He's not a huge cap. That is just a cap with the monster logo on it. <laughs> is, is Nick's beard more or less than Jorge's? Way in? more. That's a. It's a bit more. That's a light char. That's a charcoaling around the chin. This has got. Look, look, look. I'm kind of rubbish. Look at that. That's got a proper colour. As my dad said, if it. you sprinkled a bit of cream on it, the cat would lick it off, no problem. <laughs> as far as well, Nick's beard's concerned. I've tried that, but no. Anyway, then, um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. What, what did Lorenzo say on. was wrong last year? My beard wasn't very good. Uh, he said he wasn't fit enough. He said he went on holiday too much. I think he also had a bit of a, a huge crisis of confidence in the wet um, after go, falling off the previous year in uh, I think it was Aston that he fell off and he hurt himself and he just lost his mojo in, in wet and damp races and last year there were a lot of races which were damp um, and I think he that then played on his overall confidence and yeah I mean, he's, he's, and that is why he, he was very much second best I what does he say believe. is different this year it won't be as wet I'm thin he said, I'm thin, like I'm when I was 20. He's thin, like he was 20. Um, he's, he's, su- he's super old now, he's like 26, isn't he? He's and so he said, old. There's no way to measure one's physical capacity, but you get certain feelings. There's loads of ways of measuring physical capacity. There's a whole industry about measuring <laughs> physical capacity. <laughs> the whole physical capacity measuring industry, industry is yeah. jumping up and yeah, down. Okay. Now, saying, yeah, excuse me, what about us? <laughs> yeah. Hello, over here. Well, you always see people, you always see racing drivers with those tubes out their mouth on the on treadmills, aren't you? Yeah. Well, it's always Jensen Button, actually. In fact. Yes. It used to be Mark Webber. Now oddly, it's oddly, apparently, he insisted on that for his wedding night as well. But hey, hey, stop. Moving on. Uh, staying with bikes, though, Hooray! because while Yamaha have been busy doing uh, their launches, their their launches uh, in Spain, uh, Honda. Yes. Mm. I've been making an announcement in the UK. They've been saying, they? we're all going on holiday lots this year because our bike's so much better. Well, this is not the Casey Stoner test thing, then? No. No. Because Casey Stoner is also now... Do you know Casey Stoner does most in his spare time these days? Oh, has holidays? Races RC cars. Ah, on holiday. Well, his life's a holiday, isn't it? Yeah. Carry on. I don't know, I'm this is, I this is no, a British superbike story. Ah. ah. And Honda have signed... Jenny Tinmouth. Ooh. Right. Uh, the British Superbike's first female rider. And TT Super, rider. And, uh, didn't she race in the Super Sports last year, the 600s? No, she's been in Superbikes for the last two seasons. Who's, who's running it for BSB? The Honda Works team. Really? Yes. 
That's why this that, is a story. Well, that, it's a story because the Honda works table back in the British Super. And who's the other rider? Uh, they have two other riders uh, who are um, Dan Linfoot and Jason O'Halloran. Okay, so not, not exactly the top guys. Uh, Linfoot's very good. Yeah, but you got the, well, no, you got Bernke and Ari Ellison at one, won the races last year. That's obviously crocked himself with injury. Yes. Mm. Linfoot for a, a rookie, effectively, last yeah, year. Fair enough, yeah. Um, finished fifth in the championship or sixth in the championship? Yeah, I was going to say he ran he was top very four, consistent. Top five. That, yeah, that's how he did it. He, he finished in the top four in pretty much every race. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Timmer said, I'm absolutely over the moon and cannot believe I'm riding for Honda Racing. Uh, it was totally unexpected. I went for a meeting with them to discuss the season and had a few cheeky questions I wanted to ask about Honda helping me out with bikes. And when the offer came, I couldn't believe what I was being asked. She, she's ridden super bikes on the TT for them, though, hasn't mm. she? Or no, am I making good. that she's up? She's a good little peddler, not that word, but she's no, she's good. Steerer. Steerer. Lena. Lena. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's no reason, of course, why there shouldn't be more females in all forms of no, motorsport, I think, particularly I think, in motorcycles. I think motorcycle racing, I think women definitely um, can compete. And should actually have some advantages in their, a, in their body. There's I think a couple of girls have come up through think, super teams. Yeah, the one thing I, want to if I'm honest, right, the one area I think they're more of an issue is like motocross, which is incredibly physical. And I yeah. think that is probably is a, 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 you know, a sheer physical difficulty for women to actually compete. But you do, you do have Natalie blocks. Kane in motocross, you again do. with Honda, yeah, um, you do. who's doing pretty well. But uh, no, I think in circuit racing, it, 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 the, there's no reason why a lady can't. But do as well or better than the blokes. I I have a feeling, and I can't remember for the life of me, and I apologise for this. But somebody on the collective will tell me that there was a British Championship last year that had at least a couple of times during the season a female rider on the podium, mm. and she might have won a round as well. And I'm really was, sorry um, that I can't remember that. At least an European girl, wasn't it? Who was yeah. in, in MotoGP uh, in the either motor three or maybe yeah. one two fives. I mean, I think the, the it, you know it, it's interesting when you look at women in motorsport, be it cars or bikes. There there is a karting is full of of ladies and girls obviously at the time, and they they they, they, they often don't progress because you hit that kind of that stumbling block at fourteen and fifteen where in any sport where a lot of girls kind of give up the sport, and um, that's something that all sports need to address to keep uh, women you know at, at the top level of all uh, competitive sports. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Uh, and our final bike story. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is marvel. I'm loving this show. Mm-hmm. Do you want to meet Kevin Schwantz? Yes. In that case, you need to go to the Dallas Motorcycle Show. Uh, if you'll pay for me, I'll be there in two seconds flat. You're the one that wants to want. meet him. It'll, be, it'll take you longer than that to <laughs> get it'll there. It'll take you no, eight uh, to ten hours. Um, I have met him. Have you? Yes. Yeah, he's, he, was, he said he'd rather he didn't come if you're going to have that beard. He was a regular visitor to the Grand Prix. Somebody's just said, it. is growing the beard to distract you us from the fact that you're going bald? No, I'm not. What, growing <laughs> the beard to distract us from the fact you're going bald? Neither A nor B. I, 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 I must roll out some pictures from many years ago. I've always had a high hairline. It must just be a bad headphone hair, then, they say. I'll try to wipe it. I, 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 he's I, now pulling. I, he's I, now pulling his hair just, down over his forehead. I'm just trying to do a comb over. Right. I'm under the Bobby Charlton, the very dilemma. It's a good job at the radio. Quarter to nine. Uh, <laughs> in many ways, John. In many ways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> rallying. Then let's get it over with. The opening round of the uh, 2015 World FIA World Rally Championship took place mm-hmm. at the weekend in Monte Carlo, it and uh, marked the return of Sebastian Loeb. Mm. But not an auspicious return, unfortunately. Did he dump it out? He did. 
how far did he get through before he fell off? I'm guessing further than Robert could be, but keep going. You would be wrong. Ooh! Um, Kubica gets further than Lorbin Rally Shocker. There's a shock. To start with... Uh, I love how Eve is listening on a delay and we get these <laughs> laughs a little bit later. But it's because she's sitting in her office listening to it on the internet radio, yeah, yeah. of course. So, yeah, come on, come on. So, right. Uh, on the first day, he damaged his left rear suspension. Right. Which Not meant left. that he had to... His front rear left right suspension. Uh, which meant that he had to rejoin under Super Rally, which pretty much immediate... He didn't damage it. He ripped the wheel off. Yeah. Well, damaged. That is... Substantially damaged, but damaged. Uh, are you yes. suggesting that having it ripped off is not damaged? Well, it's, it's just a flesh it's, wound. It's a bit like describing a write-off as a curbing. Uh, okay, yes, he he extensively <laughs> damaged the car suspension by leaving part of it in the stage. Yes. He, so, so he joined under Super Mario rules, um, uh, which was complicated further by the first stage on Saturday being cancelled. Why was that complicated further? Because he had to have. Standard time plus the time of that had... Oh, yeah, that might have been difficult for the timekeepers. OK, moving on. You want to do that maths? No. No, no exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I just realised as I was working through that in my mind, yes. Yes. At least I didn't have to explain uh, that to the audience. Why was the... Uh, why was it uh, closed? Uh, sorry, uh, cancelled? Do you think? The, the snowy? No, nothing to do with the snow. Too many spectators. A lack of Sebastian Loeb. There were too many spectators, yes. Too many spectators, always. Um, at the end of the stage. Right. Um, so, uh, that was that. Uh, and uh, you mentioned uh, Robert Kubica because you, uh, you thought he would have uh, crashed out, and he didn't. Well, did he get to the end? He won several stages, or a couple of stages at least, I think. Hang on, so Kubica finishes rally without having to come back under super rally and didn't once roll the car he, is that the first time he's finished I a did, rally without rolling the car I did see some pictures of him putting one ha- one wheel off the edge well that's fine no no that's ok that's, we expect where, to where do did that he come rally. then he must have got some points he must have been in the top 6 uh, Sebastian Auger yeah. said uh, um, I am the winner I am chuffed Oh, he had an electrical fault. He didn't finish, um, but he did took a string of stage wins. Uh, one of which was a uh, thirty-three second lead. But yes, he had an electrical fault then. Um, but he Sebastian had an Oche fault said, that was "Caused when he rolled down a mountainside and the battery came out." Not all of those <laughs> type of electrical faults, was it? Possibly. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, all right, I'm bored with this. He did a good job. He was fast in the stages, and he showed he is capable of the fight. Sebastian Loeb said, "Robert was good." <laughs> is he in the same team as Sebastian Love? No. No. Okay. Uh, he's on his own in a Ford, I believe. Okay, let's uh, run through some. Uh, you can find another story because we're going to move on now. Um, uh, let's run through some of the tweets coming in. Chris Suku says the price of a single F1 ticket is much the same as that for a whole family at the World Endurance Championship at Silverstone. No contest, as far as I'm concerned. James Foster says didn't know about Jenny Linfoot. Mega news: she's very good and not had a works bike. Uh, Anthony Warren Haig says hello, Anthony. Good to have you uh, listening in live tonight. Uh, do you remember Anna Carrasco who did Moto Three? She was pretty I'd good. Th- I'd th- that's who we were trying to think of. Thank you, Anthony. Always good. Um, and I think that's 
Yep, I think that's it. So you, uh, Loeb was fastest by 30 seconds on the first stage back, says Fran Blaisdell. Hello, Fran. Not bad comeback by any measure, um, but didn't get to the end. Fastest on, on the first stage, ripped the, the, the suspension off on the second. That's proper rallying. That's more like it. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 10, episode number four. Next week, of course, a bit different. It's episode because... five. <laughs> But it'll be a bit different in other ways, as we'll be getting up at the crack of dawn, even though you can listen to us at the same time. Because, of course, the show will be coming live from Mount Panorama at Bathurst. And once again, you'll leave me in England. And me. We can't, we're not allowed to take you to Australia with that beard. Ugh. They won't let you in. I don't have a beard. No, we need you to work. <laughs> You're not um, getting me to work. Oh, really? No. Is it not you next week? It's Becky. Ah, okay. And Johnny. Um, it is the uh, Liquid Molly 12 Hours of Bathurst next weekend. And if you uh, enjoyed our uh, coverage from Daytona, then you'll love the GT fight at uh, Bathurst next weekend. Uh, we will be live on uh, Wednesday, eve- Wednesday evening normal time, or Wednesday afternoon in the US, for Midweek Motorsport. Expect uh, all the news from the mountain. Uh, and then check the schedule for details of our live coverage of the Liquid Molly 12 Hours of Bathurst. More than 30 A-Class, that's current uh, specification, GT3 cars. Uh, And I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a great race. Some big names there, David Brabham, in what could possibly be his last motor race. The Mercedes Works team's back. We've got Nissan coming back with a works effort. It's uh, all looking good. Yes. There are five free practice sessions. Yep. Uh, and you've uh, been to the mountain. Wouldn't I have been you to the want mountain. as much practice as you possibly could have before yep. you unleashed 56 idiots in cars <laughs> up there? You'd want them all to have as much practice as possible. Five weeks practice would, wouldn't be enough. Certainly not for me. And of course, I'm driving it in a Via Supercar on Monday. I'd uh, only like to do the after second the half of the lap, to be honest. All oh, right, after yeah, that. That, straight, that long straight bit. That looks. <laughs> that bit I can do. I guarantee you, I will be as quick as anybody else down Conrod Street. I have been always excellent at straight. Straight. That's Brilliant. that's my forte. The twiddly bits. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. The bits where you have to use both feet. Yes. Uh, don't forget, you can tweet us at Specutainment. Specutainment, as in entertainment, but Specu, as in speculation. And at I've always wondered where that came from. Yes, of course you have, Tim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, we've got seven minutes left, eight minutes left. And I've got two stories down. to do in that seven let's minutes. Let's do it then. Let's uh, do it. So we start with uh, Formula 3. Is there still Formula 3? Not in the UK and now not in Germany because uh, oh. the uh, Formel 3 Vereinigung have uh, pulled a plug for 2015. And those 10 points are going, uh, if you're super light, are just going to waste, aren't they? Yes. Mm. Uh, it was going to be renamed in Germany as uh, Formula it's Open. Mm. Um, so, so what about the copyright from Gerhard, was it? Yes. Um but they it wouldn't have mattered because they have more than one round outside of Germany anyway, so they wouldn't be allowed to call this a national championship. Uh, they were going to Austria and to Zandvoort and to somewhere Austria else. Austria and Zandvoort are both very close to Germany. Yes, but neither is in Germany. 
Well, no, I realise that. So no. that's not. So, so I think what, I think the so Slovakia rings the other one so they went to. So what Formula Three championships do we have outside FIA F3 Europe? Well, that we have the, the Japanese Formula Three championship. Oh, sorry, I mean I meant in Europe. Sorry. Oh, in Europe. None that I'm aware of. No. So who, what's going to happen to all the old Dallara chassis that used to get two years at the, in the top championship and then get filtered down and therefore have some value? Well, in the UK, a new championship's been launched for which those chassis are eligible. <laughs> Do you know what? I wasn't prompted for this. <laughs> as well as old Formula Renault chassis yep. and very old Formula BMW chassis. Is this Formula Libra by It is called Formula Libra. <laughs> it's a revival of a great old idea where... Old single seat chassis used to come out to die to play. Yeah, to come out to play. <laughs> Pretty much that. Yeah. So the Formula BMW chassis, they must be, they must have like carbon fibre rot by now, surely. Possibly. They were tattoos, weren't they? Yeah. No, they, they were, were Miguel. It was the Formula Renaults that were tattoos. Four, three, four. It started, didn't it? So oh, sorry. Did, did you not say Formula Renault? No, Renault. Yes, Renault and BMW. Renault and BMW, but the BMWs oh, right, are the ones with the carbon fibre rot. The Formula Renault chassis, obviously wasn't a carbon fibre monocoque. Which one? The Tatus one. Are you the sure? The ones were. I'm sure they were. The Epsilon ones were. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, right, moving on. and uh, Just actually a, a slight connection between that and our previous talking. And by the way, it was Cat Green that I was thinking about. That Somebody's mm. just tweeted that Cat Green won a 1-2-5 race. Much, much easier. Having and conversations Cat Green's race still raining. It's much easier having a conversation with you on the show because we, ha- we haven't got to worry about researching. Someone will find the answers. No, for that's, us. that's great. great. Um, Ronnie Whittaker's daughter won Formula Libra the last time I can remember going to see it. And she had an old, I think she had an old Formula Renault car that had been worked on. A little bit Amanda Whitaker that was. Mm. She was a very very good driver. Well, I remember that name, yes. Yeah, you'd remember. I think she did a couple of Formula Renault races, but never got a full season together. It was about the same time, or maybe just before, um, um, DC Cook's daughter, um, Paula. Amanda, Paula Cook, thank you. Paula Cook uh, was Paula and David. Yes, her brother who yeah, also yeah. raced. Paula Cook it was about the same time Amanda might have been just a little bit before well of course uh, David Cook got as far as Formula 3000 mm-hmm. but I won't bore you with that because we've got to okay. do this hello Lotecias en Espanol Ole for Midweek Motorsport it's back that one's better <laughs> I still I still think every for España that's that. It's back. News in Spanish after a sabbatical. Uh, sabbatical. <laughs> um, is that the Monte Carlo? Yes, yes exactly. It's yeah. just a bit, a bit south of Monte Carlo. And it's the point where we say, Shay, walk away from the radio. For those walk you, away from the radio. For those of you who may be new or haven't heard this before, uh, Tim will give us a, a motorsport story in Spanish, and uh, Tim uh, and Nick and I rather will attempt to. Uh, translated for you not necessarily a real translation before any of you think it's going to be the best translation I can do yeah well no obviously and you are very well versed in the different uh, dialects yes and in addition although I speak uh, English French German and Italian I speak Mm. no Spanish that's not true I didn't know you spoke no that's rubbish the way that your accent in this is perfect you speak Spanish like a native how come I only found out today that Tim speaks Italian I know 
El on. team principal de Ferrari, Maurizio Arriva Benny, ha mostrado su apio a la petición de Nicky Lauda, president no ejecutivo de Mercedes, de hacer que la Formula One sea un espectáculo más emocionante y considera que los Cox deberían suena espectacular como un grupo de heavy metal. Well, I, I, I think that's obvious when you hear that. I mean, that's a long way around of seeing that the Fiat Punto of the newly arrived, Mr. Newly Arrived, yes. um, Mr. Newgood, yes. um, has, uh, well, I, has I, a I, better I sound system than Nicky Lauda's Mercedes-Benz, and it spectacularly outperforms it when it's playing heavy metal. What it basically said was, he said, um, you know, Effectively, what well, we need to we need to you know sex up the show for F1 a bit. We need more noise, and mm-hmm. frankly, your Mercedes sounds like three cocks being male chickens. What right in the morning? Yes. Yeah. So it's just three cockerels. Is is Nicky Lauda has three cockerels, whereas I have a whole heavy metal band kind of at the back of my car. Ah, okay, right, okay, very good. Moving on. Comparto el punto de vista de Nicky sobre que la Formula One necesita ser más espectacular y considero que el riesgo de perder aficionados es algo que desgraciadamente ya ha sucedido, explicó Arriva Bene en la página web oficial de Ferrari. I'll let you. I'll let you too. Well, I think he it, would never know. He doesn't speak Spanish. No, though, it, would you? It, it, interesting. Did you actually note the subtle dig straight away there? Yeah. He's saying your car's so old, it's still using Windows Vista. Yes. You know, which. Yes. Anything. Yes. Frankly, you're just well behind us. It might sound like a heavy metal. And he's saying but because of that, your paginara or your pagination yes. isn't right. So they're saying that even the logos are wrong on the car. So uh, my so car you have is to run louder. It. Yeah. And. It's more attractive, better printed than yours, and our software is on a more solid base. So does that mean you've got to use the you've got to use their car in the compatibility mode? Otherwise, exactly. it won't display correctly. They say you, you can't plug a USB into my car. Right. Sin embargo, ah, en este caso no crea que sea suficiente una revelación simple sino que hace falta una revelación grande con cambios significativos y relevantes me refiero a más potencia velocidades más altas no necesariamente not necessarily a base de necesitar más combustible sino aplicando una reducción de costes en aquellos componentes que son de bio interés para el público general now yeah, that's very very interesting uh, yes. because this uh, I realise now we haven't quite got the, the, the pick on it it is much more about the whole musicality yes now right well, on I, earlier I, there, I, I, thought, he, I was he surprised he didn't pick on that we, earlier, ha- we have KC and we're both wondering where the sunshine land yes but later he said for financial reasons you know, we have decided to, for cost capping, we're not going to have the Sunshine Band. It's just, just KC. KC. Is that to do with the resource agreement? You've yeah. got to cut down how many people you've got at the Hutchinson Exactly. Track. So you can't have a whole funk band. Right. You can just have the lead singer and the backing track. Yeah. You never underestimate the importance of a, of a good horn section. So you think, exactly. You think, so basically what they're saying is, yeah, you've got your, you've, 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 you've used up your tokens for yes. music with your three cockerels, yes. but I have a heavy metal band and KC, not the Sunshine Band. Okay. Right. Okay. Hace it? tiempo que no. pienso okay. que la auténtica competición de la Fórmula 1 de hoy en día, en lo que se refiere al show, viene gracias a una variedad de formas de entretenimiento, no solo por internet, incluyendo uh-huh. video jugs de yes. competición, 
depend de nostros dos apotar algo mejor de apotar un nuevo formato yes para la Formula 1 tan pronto como si posible yes you see you didn't quite get that it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't video jugs it was video judge video judging what ah. they're going to do is ask for people to submit their entries for the music again this is all down to the cost cutting because you can't bring as many people to the track what they want people to do is submit their entries via the internet Skype or or whatever they will be judged on the Formula 1 weekend by the video judges Okay. and then potentially those noises can be incorporated into the Formula 1 engines because Ah, they are so three cockerels and this all comes down to the trumpets on the back of the engine when you were talking about the Sunshine Band and I said a horn section section, it's about the trumpets that Bernie wants on the back now I also think there's a subtle dig about Luca de Montezemolo yeah obviously did you keep reading the last two lines that again please Tim yep two lines Um, that was from uh Viene gracias a una variedad de formas de entretenimiento, no solo por internet, incluyendo yes. video jugs yes. or judges, depending yes. on how you want to pronounce that, de competición, depende de nosotros aportar algo mejor y de aportar un nuevo formato para yeah. la Formula 1 tan pronto como si posible. Yeah. Yes, that was it. That See, was now, it. Tan pronto. Tan pronto. What they're saying basically is that Luca de Montezemolo had a very quick permatan. Yes, tan and, pronto. And we're not having that. No. Because we the, were, Essex we're much, Orange just being outlawed. We're much more back to basics. Yeah. And part of this competition is we don't want any. We no no, no fakery. No fakery. So we want to have straight down the line yeah. effective sound effects that we can put through, which can be could be ACDC. Could yes. be KC, not the Sunshine Band, or could be Three Cockles, or any, anything like It could be a, scream of, a team of puntos. Yes. But that's how we're going to sex up F1. But but you've obviously, you can't have pronto, tan, tan or pronto. You've got to have a real tan. Exactly, no yeah. fake tan. Oh, yeah, exactly. Could you merge two bands together to make a super group called KCDC? <laughs> hey! Well, you see, that fits in perfectly with the hybridisation, doesn't it, of Formula <laughs> One? Um, and I think that that is surely only a quiver away. Uh, it's nearly <laughs> five. It is, it is five past nine. We've gone over the hour, and you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Midweek Motorsport. Half time, and while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Uh, in the second hour of tonight's programme, we will welcome the man from GGHQ. It's not a shed. It's the centre of the sports car universe. And DSC's editor, dailysportscar.com's editor. And <laughs> stop making me laugh. Uh, Graham Goodman will be joining us in a few moments' time. Uh, far away, in a land far, far away, in many time zones difference, Marshall Pruitt, the man who has a real beard uh, in this <laughs> production. I'm going to turn you down now. Uh, the... Uh, contributor to uh, contributor to race.com will be with us. Uh, we'll have more of your tweets on at Radio Le Mans and uh, at Specutainment, and of course your comments on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective. It's Midweek Motorsport Series 10, Episode 4. RadioLeMans.com. You nearly beat it. Nearly. I, I, I didn't want to speed up too much. Uh, towards the end of course um, my co-workers are now wondering why I'm howling with laughter and I can't possibly tell them about video jugs <laughs> says Stephen Speaker I don't know why I think most people know about video jugs if I'm honest um, 
uh, Andy Warren Hague, who's on fire tonight. Not literally, obviously, that would be dangerous. Uh, remember, uh, Red Bull UK can't claim Vettel. At, um, well, Seb was test driver at BMW, of course, as he was. he was. At BMW Sauber, uh, at least. Uh, never underestimate the uh, value of a good horn section. Was about to say borderline, but then video jokes. No, I actually mean that in a musical sense. You can never underestimate, uh, as we were m- musing when we went to the Paolo Nettini concert uh, a couple of weeks ago, never underestimate. Three horns, but absolutely fantastic. Uh, Moni Elysium, I hope you enjoyed the weekend, Moni. I know you were down at Sebring. This uh, nearly spit my water out laughing so hard at news in Spanish. Um, all good. Uh, and when you... Uh, discuss the Rolex 24 could you say which car was last of those still running uh, that would be the 19 is it I think so uh, and uh, Shea Adam says I'm already shaking my head please let's news in Spanish be read by Antonio Garcia mm. <laughs> at Radio Le Mans and uh, at RadioLeMans.com on the forum section uh, the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective all looking very good and welcome in the second hour uh, from GGHQ in a secret location that can't be picked up by satellite the editor of DailySportsCar.com is Graham Goodwin, hello Graham uh, have you recovered yet? Oh, just just about. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I went to put my head down for half an hour after getting off the plane from Orlando for Daytona 24 hours and woke up about an seven and a half way. hours later. That's an interesting way and, to get through customs, but never mind. Boy with luggage carousel full, but it's just Graham going round and round. Hey, if that's what you've got to do to get your duty free through customs, eh? Um, uh, an extraordinary race, an absolutely extraordinary (laughs) week, in fact. I know we said this a lot of the time, but I think it bears repeating again. A very, very different feel and attitude right from the moment that we got into the paddock early on in the week, Graham, than than what we, we had there last year. Uh, well, it, it wasn't just apples and oranges, was it? It was apples and combine harvesters. It was just completely <laughs> different experience uh, from from last year. Last year, um, Daytona and Sebring uh, rather reduced to you know pretty depressing stuff. If you've got Marshall on, don't ask him about Sebring because he'll just get angry again about it. I'm not even uh, going to call him up until after you've mentioned Sebring. So I, yeah, I, I, yeah did, we don't say the word Sebring now while Marshall is, is, is actually online because after last year he did get very cross indeed. Uh, I was actually unable to speak to Marshall for the last six hours of the race last year at Sebring in case he went uh, absolutely mental in the press room. Um, but uh, it, it, it was... You know what? A very pleasant experience. Never the easiest one to work for a journalist, because you can never find people at Daytona. But uh, that doesn't take anything away from what we're seeing on track. Great battles up and down the field. Some some pretty old stuff to kind of comment on, including I've never seen a GTE slash GTLM field meltdown like that one did. No. Um, and a lot of it was contact. Um, lots of stuff to follow up from that, uh, not least of which was the very odd incident involving Mark Lieb and Earl Bamba. Uh, And I can tell you, uh, from a senior Porsche source, there was no contact between Mark Lieb and the 007 Aston Martin. Uh, I think the the Porsches fell over each other there. So my guess is there will be uh, a meeting with with Nicked Cafe when they get back uh, after after Daytona. Uh, I don't think there's a great deal of amusement as to what happened there between the two cars. We'll wait and see how things go forward, but thoroughly enjoyable. 
It was absolutely marvellous um, in the uh, press room and uh, covering it the weekend. Have you guys there? Uh, it made a big, big difference. And I can tell you, uh, John, uh, exclusively here on Midweek Motorsports, it's uh, it's led to what I hope is going to be a new and continuing periodic feature on Daily Sports Car, which is we're going to be asking and accepting uh, some opinion from the fans yeah. uh, on Daily Sports Car. And the first one is one of your fans. It's uh, and again, it's a name you're very familiar with. It's yeah. going to be Paul Markart, and he's going to be talking about. Uh, IMSA Radio and the part that that's played in his enjoyment of the sport and that will be up later tonight okay fine um, you mentioned the GTE battle um, it, you couldn't have known this but um, we're, we've managed to grab a hold of Antonio Garcia who joins us uh, on the phone now stay with us Graham I'll ask you for some, some comment uh, after this Antonio Garcia part of the three team that uh, that won at the weekend in GTLM for for Corvette. Uh, well, a difficult race for everybody, uh, Antonio. I mean, can we say you enjoyed it? How do you feel now? Uh, yes, I have to say I'm pretty happy. Actually, I'm mean, back home and now really started to enjoy the the result, which which actually was yeah, amazing. Does it in some ways make it even a better victory that it was so hard fought all the way through or would you have preferred to have driven off and, and won by 10-15 laps? I mean for sure I would have liked to have an easier end of the race but I'm sure all the fans wouldn't agree with me but uh, I mean it was a very very intense race and it was a classic Daytona race with many restarts and and having such a great feel of UTLM. I mean, it was like a single race every every hour. I mm. mean, every time you were fighting with a different car, different drivers, and and you needed to compete at, at your 100%. So it was pretty intense. I mean, I knew on my last stint or when I was doing my last triple stint basically that even if I didn't have to stop again that caution mm, was very very I mean very high risk to, to appear and and at the end it came and and it was again like another classic below five laps end of the race even if it was a 24 hour race well, we normally say the dash for cash, but of course it was the dash for the watch in this case, which, which started with a heck of a battle between you and the team car. I mean, what was going on there? There was clearly no team orders because you two were knocking lumps out of each other. There was actually no orders for sure. I mean, we always have the, the rules there or just the information from the team that, I mean, we are free to race every every single race. I mean we, we never had any any kind of rules and the only the only thing to consider is that you can be aggressive but please don't 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 make any contact between us or any anything. So we are drivers, we are going at our hundred percent and I mean and the four car is just another car for us basically as as for them we are another car. So we we definitely cannot take the same amount of risk as we were competing to to another car, but at the end, it's very easy to not easy, but you definitely find the 
the ultimate or hundred percent of of the the risk you you can take basically. Tony, the difference in performance from the raw before the practice weekend and when you got there for race week was was unbelievable because the uh, the new C7R did not seem to be particularly competitive in the practice weekend. I suppose you're going to tell me that's what practice is about. You go away and make things better? Uh, I mean, for sure, we, we had to run through a lot of uh, testing schedule, basically. All the testing program we were running through, it was very intense. So we definitely need to focus on different aspects of, of the car, not only pure speed. But, I mean, if you look back on, on the very... On the one, I would I would say in the first two three sessions of of the roar we were pretty competitive. I mean, ultimate time for for all these three days, I think we were like P two or P three anyway. So it's true that the Aston was super fast at the roar, and, and they weren't as fast during the during the race. Um, I think it was pretty. I mean, we found a few mistakes we we found during the during the roar that that they could be fixed for the for the race and that is what it's all about uh, I detected that the racetrack was not anywhere near the same kind of condition as it was in for the roar and then of course it it rained overnight just be, before the race, there seemed to be a lot less grip I think than most people were expecting do you think that helped you in the Corvette team? I don't know, I mean we definitely found way different conditions even during the race week, I mean, we had uh, pretty high temperatures all the way till night practice, and then on Saturday went way below that temperature. So I don't know what actually. I mean, we also had to deal with that even during the the pre sessions, basically knowing that the race would be in a completely different uh, temperature and weather and. We had to be focusing on what we were expecting to be mm-hmm. the the race uh, condition, basically, and, uh, and apparently we nailed it. I think. <laughs> apparently, you did. <laughs> I think that's the biggest understatement of the week. Yes, well done to you all. Yes. The the competition, aside from the four car. The Aston was gone pretty early on, so you had to contend with the BMW, particularly the number 25 car. The Porsches were there or, or thereabouts, particularly the 17 car. But did that surprise you that the, the BMW, the IHG Reward Club's cars were, and particularly the 25, were, were sniffing around the, the back of your tailpipes quite as much? Uh, I think in GTLM you, you, you need to consider every single car as a, as a good competitor. I mean, even I mean we saw through all the race that even a car that didn't seem to be super fast at the end they were in the hunt anyway which was the 17 and I mean you you can uh, stop thinking about any of the cars there and for sure the BMW they, they proved they, they've been really fast even at the roar and, and last year actually where the Porsche seems to be the most competitive car at the end of the at the end of the race, it happened the same thing. I mean, half hours, the last half hour, mm, they saw an unexpected BMW being on the lead lab and and actually fighting for for the win last year too. So, I mean, they they are really really reliable and and they seem to 
the way is always very smart and mm. just keeping everything together and to be able to, to race at the end. Well, racing smart in a 24-hour race is the best thing you can do. Quite clearly, we all know that, having watched the races down the years, both at Daytona, Le Mans, and even at the Nürburgring. It's, it's easy for us to say that. It's harder for you guys to do it, particularly on the, on the restarts, when sometimes you guys were right in the middle of the pack. But the, the stats don't tell any lies here, and the fact is that your car, the three car, led, led 389 laps. The four car, 103. The 25 BMW, 86. But this, for me, is the interesting stat. Your uh, uh, sister car, 54 minutes in the pits. The BMW 25, uh, 43 minutes in the pits. Your guys, 36 minutes in the pits. And that's racing smart as well, Antonio, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I think the whole... Uh, race situation worked really good. I mean, not only us driving the car, the car didn't have any problem. Pit stops were fantastic. Uh, I think the only trouble we we hit was when I had a puncture in, on on the third hour. Yes, that's that's basically the only issue we had. So, if you looked at those numbers, in if you translate those to a race like Le Mans, where safety cars are not that useful or I mean that would have been maybe a two or three, two or three laps lead compared yes. to the rest I mean that's that's what it is I mean it's not very useful that at Daytona you never hit the garage you, or you just run a smooth race but I think between us three Jan and Ryan and the team we we were like very, very, I mean, we had to tell each other always, like, just to be as relaxed as possible, mm -hmm. I mean, even if you had to be running really, really fast, but you just don't bother about your track position or to fight, I mean, just take a little bit less risk than the rest, and because everybody seemed to be a little bit over the, over 100%, I think, and that's why they, they were making big mistakes. We always talk about patience and endurance race, and you guys were patient but aggressive. I thought you got the balance pretty much perfectly right. Hard to say because uh, Daytona is such uh, a different uh, atmosphere, a different race track, a, a different type of race, but does this give you some confidence moving on to Sebring, indeed the rest of the Tudor United Sports Car Series? Because generally speaking, teams that start the season well, and I think particularly a BMW a few years ago in the last... A uh, couple of seasons of the ELMS, they're cleaned up in the first part of the season, and, and, and points points in the bag are a, a good thing to have when you're thinking about championships. Uh, for sure, I mean, I mean, it's not that. I mean, I, I can't remember starting a. I mean, especially the last two years, we it wasn't our case, and we fought back to to be able to compete for a championship. But I think we we just need to keep running smart races, a smart season basically and and for sure we we will have everybody coming towards us and very on a very, very competitive way, I'm sure, but we just need to be prepared for that. Don't, I mean just don't we don't have to relax at at any matter and we just need to keep focusing and and I think the C seven R is performing really good and with a year in our in our backs, I mean, we are approaching every single race with with way more experience. We know what we did wrong last year, and and I think that's that's a good thing for us. 
Antonio, I can't thank you enough for taking time out. I know how busy you are and trying to recuperate after such a, a big effort at the weekend. Thanks for joining us here on Midweek Motorsport. And, of course, we'll be talking to you at Sebring on IMSA Radio as well. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Antonio Garcia, then, joining us on the telephone uh, from Spain. I know exactly... Uh, how he feels at the moment. Let's bring in uh, from racer.com Marshall Pruitt who joined us while we were on the phone there uh, to Antonio. That was a cracking GTLM battle and we, we mentioned the internecine part of it with the Porsches and indeed, you know, I brought it up there with, with Antonio. He, he kind of just shuffled it off a bit but the Corvettes were a little bit closer than I think I would have liked to seen them for comfort uh, in the early part of that race. Very true. The uh... The Porsche side, as I'm calling it, uh, that frankly robbed us of a great run to the very finish uh, between all the GTLM front runners. But yeah, the uh, Corvettes certainly weren't afraid to, uh, I guess it's maybe it's hard to tell, Heindy, if it's yellow paint on yellow paint, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) it was yellow on yellow. Yeah, it was uh, certainly a little bit of a surprise to see that level of comfort, uh, duking it out, throwing haymakers at each other. At the same time, there were also a few stints, uh, especially early in the morning and heading into uh, sunrise, where I was a bit surprised at the lack of equal pace uh, between the two. There were times where we saw... Uh, there were a couple stints where I noted uh, Simon Pagano, for whatever reason, uh, was about a half a second off um, almost every lap or uh, on enough laps for the gap to certainly grow between the Corvettes. So, yeah, there were times when, boy, you throw a blanket over them and they're just having fun among them, among themselves. And then there were others where it was like, hey, don't forget me. Wait up. Hold on. The the, the whole Porsche thing, as uh, Graham, as Marshall says, was, was a bit disappointing. Porsche themselves weren't happy with their performance in the early part of the week but uh, credit to Owen Hayes and uh, to the rest of the team for giving us some time during the week um, as a little round table to discuss various things they were very forthcoming they were quite bullish about their chances in the race of course we know ultimately what happened but I think they'll be looking at the season in a, in a far more positive light than perhaps they were doing at the start of the week when they were 8th, ninth, and 10th with the three cars that were there. Oh, yeah. I mean... Have you lost him? Hmm. You know, before the uh, the car actually went off, then you know, he was getting right onto terms with his teammate, and I think looking possibly a little bit too aggressively to get by, and that uh, that was the problem. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, I do think that that class has got something to add, and both of you, I will say to both of you, I don't want to hear BMW complaining about having no straight line speed anymore. Graham, they were super quick. All right, sometimes they had to use the draft, but that 25 car was quick. Plus, you also had Hindy uh, 
as the race wore on, as we saw the uh, race finish, there was uh, a particular rear bumper missing from mm. the uh, GTLM BMW chasing the Corvette home. So from a true aero efficiency standpoint, uh, that was an um, an angry V8 chasing down another angry V8, but the, the lack of aero efficiency exiting the car certainly didn't diminish its uh, speed capability. So yeah, to your point, uh, boy, I wonder what that thing could have done if it had had the bumper on the back of the car and wasn't giving up a little bit of speed on the uh, on the banks. Yeah, it was interesting. We had Andy Prio in towards the end of the IMSA radio show, um, certainly one of our IHG racing competitions. Somebody won a pair of his gloves as well as 25,000 uh, rewards club points, and he was saying that would have been a disadvantage to them, and he should know he's driven that car. Still very excited about seeing that car in Mark VDS hands in the European Le Mans series uh, through the the season to come. Um, I mean, ultimately, as I said in the interview, Graham, those stats don't lie. Less time in the pits, more laps led, and the, the three car. I mean, how many? I have not seen Ollie Gavin um, run into the back of so many people ever, but he had a couple of incidents whilst leading and on restarts. And ultimately, the three car made fewer mistakes and and had the pace. Uh, I've got to say, Graham, surely they were worthy winners. Hello, Graham. Ah, seem to have uh, lost you. Uh, well, I'll let you pick that one up then, uh, MP. Well, I, th- I mean, yeah, they're absolutely deserving winners. I mean, the reality is whether Ollie was uh, friendlier than usual, we'll just put it that way. Uh, Ollie was making contact with some buddies a little more than uh, we would expect. I mean, that's the tale of the of the GTLM race, though, Hindy. Is in terms of differences and advantages, uh, I would say the GTLM race, even with the uh, factory Porsches out of the overall uh, class win possibility, the margins were, in my opinion, uh, slimmer than ever. And also uh, on that same topic, big credit to IMSA. Uh, we went into last year's Rolex 24 with some clear performance disparities within each class and just among all four classes running together. And I would say, of course, we can pick out a few things. The Vipers and GTD, you know, they had a little bit uh, in hand. But for the most part, uh, the balance of performance was dead on in each class yep. and uh, between the four classes. So, Well, uh, James Foster has actually just tweeted a really good graph that shows the class separation and I think that's part of the reason and I agree with him for why the the race was was so good. GTD, the other GT category I thought was very interesting for a while we had I think 7 or 8 cars, Graham Goodwin's back with us now uh, on the lead lap. I I kind of feel for them sometimes and I I understand the Bentleys, the Nissans of this world who say why should we you know go and race in a secondary GT class because there were some cracking battles that were going on there that we were getting excited about on the on the radio on IMSA radio that you know unfortunately the TV can't watch everything at the same time clearly it's it's not possible but a great scrap and you know fantastic to see the result that as it turned out Graham uh, absolutely and, and a, a unique result I believe in sports car racing history uh, in that all the classes and if you include the Chevy engine in the back of the PCORica all the classes went to one of the big three uh, so with the Ford engine Riley 
um, uh, the front, the uh, GTLM Corvette, and then Bill Riley's Dodge Viper in GTD. And I believe, um, I asked the question after the race of a couple of guys who know these things better than I do, uh, that that is the first time that's ever happened in an international sports car race. So what a way for the American season to actually get going. What a way for uh, the Riley Technologies guys to, to bounce back after the disappointment of losing their GTLM program and you know it it was a good race but better than that John it was a good event and you know we did see uh, a bit of wham bam thank you ma'am throughout the race but we saw plenty of wheel to wheel action as well better still what we saw was a uh, a race direction team that were clearly uh, in the mood to actually get us back to green flag action as soon as possible so whilst we did have multiple yellows they didn't interfere as much as we saw last year uh, and something that uh, Johnny picked up on actually in his comments at the end he, he liked the way that Bob Barfield and the rest of the team were allowing um, incidents to develop and potentially clear themselves at a, uh, before flinging out a, a full course caution of course if it was something serious it could uh, go uh, straight away we'll, we'll talk about the head of the field in just a moment but the prototype challenge class uh, again brought us some great action particularly in qualifying where the drag out street fighting battle between Colin Brown and Johnny Morlam eventually going to JMO for the prototype challenge poll was outstanding the race was just as good and I'm delighted to say congratulations uh, and good evening uh, to Tom Kimbersmith. Tom, good evening. Good evening. Congratulations is what I should say, not just good evening. Congratulations not only on the win at the Rolex 24 Daytona but surprisingly the only British uh, driver to stand on top of the podium so applaud it plenty from us here at Midweek Motorsport and the Collective. Has it sunk in yet? It's, it's, it's slowly sinking in. It was a hard weekend for us. Uh, we had quite a few issues during the race, um, but all, all of us overcome them uh, to, to keep pushing and uh, stand on that uh, stand on that top step right at the end. We always say, you know, how much can you read into a race? any 24-hour race, any endurance race, really, whether it's 6, 12 or 24 hours, but particularly the 24 hours, from what goes on earlier in the week. So we, we left the raw test slightly disappointed as a group. Mm. Um, we had an incident right on the on the Sunday. Uh, so the middle session on Sunday, uh, we had a crash going through turn one, which did some damage to the tub. So we, we ended the test early. Um, we all left there thinking... I hope this doesn't continue going towards the race weekend. And then come race weekend, we had no issues on the build-up, which, for me, is concerning because that normally means you're going to have issues in the race. Um, so, you know, we started the race and on lap one I was taken out uh, on the first lap. And I was just thinking at that point, if this is the way the race is going to go, it's going to be a hell of a long race. And, uh, you know, we managed to fight our way back up into contention and then we had an oil line break um, going through the kink, so just before turn 5 and luckily enough at turn 5 you can pull straight off and, and work your way back to the garage um, and as we got back to the garage we were all saying you know, oil lines break, we've lost oil pressure, we've definitely lost the engine um, but luckily enough it wasn't as bad as everyone thought so we had a little bit of luck on our side there but we were 6 laps down and I was saying to 
to Bobby and the other drivers before the race. If we lose laps in the first eight hours, it's going to be hard, but we, we can recover. If we lose laps in the last 12 hours, we can't recover. It's very hard to do that. So, you know, I'm sort of eating my own words at this point, thinking, right, well, we're going to have to recover to prove my point. And thankfully we did, but everyone had issues all race and cars were dropping off left right and center so you know the issues that we had with the with the uh, oil lines breaking and then losing the power steering yeah it was hard but we could still circulate and that that was the key to to, to winning the race was just circulating and and going as fast as we can i have some personal experience of driving a race car that is meant to have power steering that didn't. Now, albeit it was only a Mazda MX-5 at Anglesey, and it was only for 55 minutes. And a lot of people have said, why does an MX-5 need power steering? And I, I accept that, but the car's designed to have power steering, and when it doesn't have it, effectively, you're turning the pump as well as trying to turn the wheels. Now, that's on a car, Tom, that, that, that has no downforce, alright we're running race tyres semi slick tyres but it's not the kind of car like you would, you guys were driving with no power steering how in the name of anything on earth did you manage with the speeds the loads etc to continue driving to anything like a decent pace with no power steering did you have to completely revise how you were driving the car um, well, the, when I got out I think I got out of the car at like 1am uh, the power steering was intermittent so it was either in or, or it was out so that, that was very difficult at that point because I would go into a corner expecting to have some load through the steering wheel and then suddenly it'll go super light so I turn in way too much and then it'll go super heavy where I then can't put any more effort in to turn the car so that that was quite difficult when I got out and then returned a couple of hours later to find out that we had no power steering it took me a good 10 laps to adjust my driving technique to to suit not having the power steering and then, mm. and I, I said to Bobby on the radio this is going to be absolute hell to keep going like this um, but we all desperately wanted to win and we all pushed and we just didn't give up uh, especially when we could see that we were gaining and having that as a deficit of having no power steering we all said you know we're going to get very tired but as long as we keep pushing and not making mistakes and just drive to our limit, which we all did, uh, we, we're going to get a result. And we just kept digging in deep and, and going as fast as we could. All right. So for me, small Mazda, um, car that you can slide around, it was turning quite sharply, get the car to rotate on the throttle and then drive it through the corner on the throttle. But then again, that's no downforce. How do, what do you have to do to change your driving style? To, to, to manhandle your car with all that downforce, with the slicks, etc., when you've got no power steering. Were you turning in earlier? What were you doing? Um, I was definitely turning in earlier because I, there was no way I could do a quick movement with the steering wheel. Um, so through the, the slower speed corners, it was just making sure that everything was done perfectly. So not making the car slide or, or anything like that. So that was okay. I could deal with that quite comfortably the, the hardest thing for me was going around the banking yeah because the loads were just getting heavier and heavier and as i'm getting tired as i'm getting tired they're obviously getting it feels like it's getting heavier so to do uh, a double stint in the car um was, was very difficult um but like i said it was just 
towards the end of the race, it was just pure determination. Um, there, was, there, was, there was no finesse about it. It was just brute force and just holding on for dear life. And when I knew that we had a good chance of closing Colin down, that's, that was all that was in my mind was we need to win this. Yeah. And it didn't matter how sore I was or how painful it was going to be. I just knew that I had to do the job. And we did it. I mean, we, we put pressure on Colin. It was going to be very difficult to catch him. Yeah. He had... He, you know, we had to come back from a lap down and I managed to unlap myself and become on the same lap as him. And I knew at that point, if I just keep pressuring him, he will make a mistake or hopefully he yeah, will make yeah. a mistake. And, you know, it's not nice to see any car go out the way he went out of being, trying to overtake a back marker, mm. ending up in the wall. I was going to say, and did you actually see that, Tom? Did you? I didn't see the actual incident. I didn't see either incident, actually. Um, I just saw... Uh, him in the wall at turn five and then the next lap round he wasn't in the wall so I was panicking thinking he's he, he's going to he's going to catch me um, and then as I arrived up to the uh, the bus stop I could see these big plumes of smoke and I was thinking well that looks pretty pretty nasty there not knowing that it was him and the first lap through the car was so engulfed in flames, I couldn't work out what PC car it was until mm. till Bobby actually came on the radio and said that it's, it's his car. Looks like we're going to be okay here. But even then, we weren't okay because we were going to have to splash for fuel. And I had Johnny Molan behind me chasing me down. So it was all like, we've just got over one hurdle and now I'm straight on to the next one. Of Johnny's going to catch me. It was so. amazing because at one stage there was big amounts of laps between first, second, third and fourth in PC. And I remember for quite a long time I saw, you know, as we were doing the rundowns, I'd sort of go, right, okay, there's half a second at the front of the field and then three seconds to third. In GT, it's half a second and four seconds. Yeah, well, PC's got laps between them, so let's not worry about that. GT, and quite, for quite a while that happened. And then interestingly at the end of course it all kicked off there was you getting the, the lead back and, and taking the victory Johnny pretty much getting on the lead lap and both you and Johnny had cars that weren't in the first flushes of, of youth and performance Johnny's uh, Johnny's car which had sat on Paul of course um, that, that car had brake issues you had steering issues it's a tough old race isn't it that 24 hours at Daytona and, and you know we we judge everything, I guess, against the Le Mans 24 hours. But in some ways, the loads on the car, certainly, more drivers, you're allowed to have more drivers. So in, in that perspective, it, it could be seen as being a bit easier. But for the cars and the engineers, that's a tough old race, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's very tough. Um, it's very cold, which doesn't help for the drivers. Um, Exceptionally so this year as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely the coldest one I've done. Um, so so that, that was a struggle during the night. But... The way the cars kept going out was unbelievable. I'm I'm used to seeing cars have issues during a race weekend, but not as many as we had that 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 weekend. And you know, it was all the way through the classes. It wasn't just PC. Um, but I think for the PC class itself, the difficult thing with our car is we have no straight line speed. Yeah. So to overtake is almost impossible. Well, you were getting um, GTD cars that are faster than you in a straight line, aren't you? Yeah, so I, I saw somewhere on uh, the average speeds, and I think a uh, PC car average speed was 171 miles an hour. And then the P class was 185, 
and then the GTD GTLM was 178. So, you know, they're they're good at seven, eight miles an hour on average, quicker than us in a straight line. So, for us to overtake, all the emphasis is on the infield, which is tight, or on the braking zones. And for a pro to overtake a car, that's you know it's doable, but it's hard every lap. The PC class is based around gentlemen drivers or silver drivers. So for them, you know, to overtake, it would be a little bit easier for them to do it on the straight instead of yeah. making sure that they have to do it in the corner. So you're going to get accidents because, yeah. unfortunately, humans aren't perfect. So they're going to make a mistake. And th- I think that's where we saw the incidents is people feeling under pressure that we must get past the GT car well, the only place you're going to do it is in a break zone. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're going to get issues straight away. A couple of questions that I'm going to... That, you know, we pass on all congratulations. Did you manage actually to be able to hold the trophy up after doing that double at the end? Because I've got no idea how you managed to even unzip your race suit after doing all that time with no power steering. That's a slightly fatuous thing, but has the, has the aching worn off yet? Um, yes, it has now. At the point, no. Uh, the trophy <laughs> definitely wasn't held up, but the watch was. So the watch... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, I've been trying to do this race, well, trying to win this race for five five years. So, you know, there was no way I was not going to get the watch this year. Brilliant. Well, well done, well done. Um, a couple of questions that uh, the collective are are asking about it, it, about uh, LMPC category and and about some other matters arising from the weekend. A lot of talk about what will happen to PC. It's a class that's been around for a few years now in the American uh, Endurance Series and even longer in Europe. So it's quite an old designer car now. Remember, those of you who are listening, it started off as a P1 car, remember, so this is a proper racing car. What do you think about the future? There's talk of LM, uh, LMP3 coming in maybe to take over. Is, is there a future for PC in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship in America? Um, I, I think there has to be. Um, it's a, a very good introduction, introductory level of prototype racing. Whether it's going to be with this car or, or they're going to shift to the, the new LMP3, I don't know. But you know, people ask me, do I enjoy driving the LMPC car? And the answer is yes, because they're hard. And it's a one-make series, basically. Yeah. Um, so it comes down to how good your team is and how good your drivers are so it's not like there's no development programs or you know if you have a hundred thousand dollars more money to spend you're going to do better it's, it's not that it's just purely down to to people and how good your people are so i enjoy driving it because it, it's tricky and i think it showcases good drivers to bad drivers and yeah. uh you know it's always competitive i i really enjoy driving against colin and bruno um, you know, hopefully one day we can all be in the same car instead of racing against each other. But that would be know, amazing. But, but the racing itself is hard racing, and and it's close racing, and, and you know we we fight until the bitter end. I think uh, you know the LMP two. You're just going up budget wise so much yeah. that you've got to have commercial sponsors. I mean, motorsport is expensive. There's no <laughs> there's no way around it. Um, but it's more justified level of of spending, I, I think. Um, but the way with the motorsport market is at the moment is it's hard. Everyone's having to make cutbacks, and 
you know th- there's not many jobs out there for pros anymore that's a good point um, you know it's, it's I think we're going through a difficult time and with the merger happening last year I don't think that helped this situation but it's going to get better that's definitely going to improve there's no there's no question about great it great atmosphere in the paddock at Daytona at the weekend I thought a, a million miles removed from, from last year alright quick final question then David Edemeyer Hansen started a, a petition for drivers and fans and anybody involved to ask him to look at the pit stop rules uh, which currently allow you to leave the engine running and fuel and tyre at the same time and go back to the old American Le Mans series rules and the FIA ACO rules where the engines have to be turned off and you have to fuel and tyre separately. Um, what's your views on that Tom? Um I think safety is priority in anything that we do these days. Um, you know, motorsport's dangerous no matter what you do, whether you're strapped in safely or not. You, anything can happen. Um, you know, I'm I'm all for introducing better safety measures. Um, but, you know, drivers are drivers. They always want to be the quickest no matter what you do. So, you know, if you're given us extra time to put the belts on that's great but we're going to save time somewhere else so I like his intentions I think it's a great thing and if it does happen brilliant but then what's next yeah. there's always going to be something next Okay. Understood. and, and that's, that's my concern is you know as a group of individuals we should all be worried about how we put our belts on and we shouldn't really leave the <laughs> get going unless we know that our belts are on properly uh- um, I said that was final question what I've got to ask you of course is what about the rest of the season great start to the season uh, for you and for the team max points uh, at the end of the race although there are points awarded during the race of course for the North American uh, Endurance uh, Tequila Patron North American Endurance Championship um, tell me about the rest of the season um, at the moment absolutely nothing which is mm. disappointing um, but like I said earlier I mean the state of the the driving market is very tough at the moment but uh, I've had plenty of opportunities and offers to drive in WEC European Le Mans to do the rest of the Tudor series to do Pirelli World Challenge but we're all everyone's waiting to see what the silver or gentleman driver is going to do and uh, that's what I'm waiting on at the moment so you know, we're all working very very hard and I do believe that something will come up um, but it's just a matter of waiting which is what we all do over the winter yeah, I know, I know that feeling too even on this side of the, the wire uh, Take care, thanks very much indeed the very lovely Kimberly Smith as I once heard you uh, described by uh, an American com- commentator which still makes me giggle every time I see your name on the screen uh, You've got the watch mate, nobody can take that one away from you, fingers crossed for you getting a drive later on the season, good luck fella Thank you, thanks very much uh, Tom Kimberly Smith, interesting choice of background music there for the very lovely Kimberly Smith. Um, I think Adele at one stage. MP, bring you in straight away on the David Hennemeyer Hansen question. This petition. I know you've spoken to him today. Uh, DHS has never never been backward in in coming forward. Um, I've read it. I've signed it. I'll put my hands up that straight away. I think it's a very well argued and well presented uh, piece. What's he been saying to you? Yeah, I agree with him. And my only, uh, I take no issue with anything he posted. I'm glad that he did. I think it is uh, well placed and well timed. My the only question I had for David was, 
do knowing IMSA's preference, knowing IMSA's recent history of if a bunch of folks in a class or even Wide get together and say, hey, IMSA, we'd like you to take a serious look at changing this thing. IMSA has shown a willingness to do that. Not saying it happens, meaning action is taken and the change is affected, but uh, the come to us privately show that you are united and what on whatever front and we will definitely uh you know be more prone to take it seriously and decide something uh asked why he didn't do that and he said you know look uh, this is the these are the means i know and if you know david's background you know his uh internet expertise i guess when i saw that he uh posted something on change.org i'm like yeah that's actually a perfect that's exactly what i would expect david to do mm. uh and he also noted look i'm not a team owner i'm a gentleman driver it's not my t- profession to sit here and try and rally 200 drivers and everyone to then go to imsa this is what made sense for me the last thing i'll mention heidi uh and i agree with him i said you know it's actually a pretty interesting way of doing it he said had i done it privately i would not have heard from so many people outside of that small circle That's and got so many interesting opinions. Some of the things coming in from crew members and otherwise saying, wow, yeah, this is dangerous, great idea. I think it's really added to, uh, it's moved this conversation in a direction oh, that we would not have expected. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I'm not certain, Graham, but I've got a feeling that one or two people, uh, perhaps not DHS, but other people have mentioned it quietly to him before, not really seen any movement and I wonder if there's a bit of frustration behind the scenes there but let's put that to one side at the moment I like what DHS has done it's on change.org it's been all over the internet got to talk about the front of the race um, and what a race it was gentlemen Um, you know we had the Michael Shank racing car on pole position history made there we had Mazda leading the race history made there we had Diesel Mazda leading the race history made there. In some ways, if you just looked at the result, Graham, you would have thought, oh, yeah, same old, same on. It's Daytona. It's a DP that's won, and it's Chip Ganassi, and all right, I'm, I'm going to use the star car mantra. I know Chip didn't like that, but a couple of experienced guys, a couple of NASCAR guys who did brilliantly, by the way, particularly Kyle Larson. I thought he was outstanding. Jamie McMurray did his what is becoming now his usual brilliant thing. It looked if you just looked at the result, it looked as if it was very much the same. It was far from that to actually sit and watch the 24, uh, 24 hours play out, Graham. Uh, it was far from dull, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I think there are a few lessons to take from it, John. The first is, to be blunt, um, the P2 guys just needed to do a better job. We got some reliability where really there shouldn't have been. And that's not the DP team's fault. Uh, the, the P2 teams uh, and you know their associated manufacturers have just got a better job. Uh, you know, they're, if you like, on the DP's um, you know home turf. And if they want to take this, then the, uh, the 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 reality there, I'm afraid, is that it's it's just got to be a better job from them. But there wasn't really a time when you lost interest, was there? There was always, you know, the, the, well, the, by the very nature of what happens at Daytona, it is actually all about, as Paul said before. Uh, Paul Trustwell said before the race started, it's all about staying on the lead lap, and and they did. They didn't do it in a way in which, um, you know, we've seen in recent years, you could levy criticism, you know, a um, a yellow by another name. Uh, it was done because those uh, yellow flag periods were warranted, and it was a very good Daytona 24 hours, and I would suggest it was a very good Daytona 24 hours for very different reasons in all four classes, with the exception uh, that the way in which uh, you know Tom and the guys took the win was an unfortunate one, not because I you know uh, 
uh, in any way think their their win uh, wasn't deserved. Of course, it was. They crossed the line first, but it's disappointing, isn't it, to see uh, you know a team that's run so hard, uh, so fast for most of the race, losing in, in in that particular sense. There's one other thing, by the way, that came out of that result, mm. which is I gather that Colin Brown is not very happy about how long it took the intervention team to get to him in what I was a quite nasty situation. I went and looked at that, and it was over a minute. It was over yep. a minute, and the car was on fire. And on a circuit that size, that's not really acceptable, I'm afraid. Uh, no, I not, think that's that's one of the other. What's one of the other uh, issues? I, by the way, thoroughly endorse what uh, what David Harmer Hansen had to say. Stand by, Cut your sec. Uh, so thoroughly endorse what he had to say, and I think the 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 issue, uh, the the two issues for me that now remain is let's 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 have him to take a look at slow zones and code sixty, and I'd love to see that safety team back. Uh, I, I saw a few of them at the, there at the weekend doing other jobs. Marshall, sorry, uh, I cut across you there. Come back in, MP. Hello, hello. Yes, Marshall. Sorry, I cut across you there. You was, you were going to say you'd spoken to Colin. Oh, just spoke to him a couple hours ago, and uh, gracious young lad. Uh, he let's just say that he shares uh, our opinion that uh, emergency vehicles could have been on site uh, in a shorter period of time. And knowing where his crash took place, uh, I can say with absolute authority there were multiple safety vehicles, including a fire truck, uh, within a few hundred feet. So, uh, granted, they would have had to have driven across, across the, the track truck to get and there. So yes. you would not expect them to place themselves in peril. But I'll tell you, uh, if if I had to, uh, you sure could have pulled up on the grass and aimed <laughs> aimed the the fire hose across the track uh, to hit the car until you were clear. So, anyways, uh, I know that from from some of that input, there is a belief within the series too that they could have tightened that up a little bit. Um, it's getting on to 5-2 I've just spoken to the response of an adult and a bit of overtime has been uh, has been uh, uh, authorised, that might be happening in the FA Cup game, or the Cup game rather tonight, over at Sheffield, it's 2-2 there as well, no, Nick says No, it's two legs and Spurs on the first leg Ah, uh, ok, thank you So it finished a while ago Ok, uh, and I did see Shea Adams scored up there which was nice Uh Okay, well, well done, Shay. Yeah, well done, Shay. Spelled C H A rather than S H E. In fairness, um, the, the uh, were we ultimately, gentlemen, slightly disappointed at the self-destructive nature of the the P twos, uh, the P two part of the prototype class. Now, granted, they were all pretty new cars, and the Mazdas had come a long way forward, found seven seconds from last year and certainly their early pace was encouraging as was the Delta Wing its light burned brightly if short but ultimately other than the Michael Shank racing car which did keep going laps off the lead but when it was going it was one of the quickest laps there uh, and I think put one of if not the quickest lap in Graham are we are we a bit worried that we're still not seeing those uh, those reliable performances coming in that race from the P2 cars uh, yes, we are. I think I had a chance to chat at the airport on the way out of Orlando with a very interesting trio. It was Alex Brundle, very disappointed after uh, engine problems ended the Crown Racing uh, car cars race. Henry Pearman of Eagle E-Type and Serial 
Group C collector and Joachim Mass. And actually, the reliability of kind of new forms of prototype came up in that conversation. And a uh, fair amount of reflection that we saw exactly the same when Group C cars were tried for the first time and tried for the first time on different forms of track. So there's nothing new here. But yes, in what is now the second uh, full year of uh, P2 Coupe's racing, it was disappointing to see such poor reliability amongst the runners there. Um, and, you know, I think, well, we know, don't we, that uh, one or two of the, those involved certainly, I think, had some, uh, some uh, I think, perfectly justifiable sense of humour failures about the fact that they weren't able to run, you know, hard and fast for the length of time they'd required to do to beat the established order in DP. I don't understand why that would be the case at Daytona when we've seen much better reliability in latter years from P2s, albeit not the ones we saw, although some of them were very similar, uh, at other 24-hour races, including Le Mans. I mean, even at Sebring, you could argue that Sebring is 12 hours, but 24 hours of wear, Marshall. What is it about Daytona, then, that makes it so hard for the for the P2 cars? Or are the, are the teams expecting too much of them and trying to run too quickly? I, I don't know. What's people been, what have people been saying to you? I think we're putting too sharp of a point on the problem. Uh, I think it's much it's much easier to answer. The only car among the six Daytona, I'm sorry, among the six P2s that started the race that had been battle tested per se in a 24-hour race was the very Shank Liger Honda, which competed at Le Mans last year in that exact package. Mm. Uh, the Liger Judd that was a first for the Chrome team motor problem, not a chassis problem, motor problem. Uh, both HPDs, one of them <laughs> was essentially you know for the better part turning their first laps in practice so of those two chassis woefully short on time um you know this was always going to be a painful learning exercise for them and that's no discredit to the uh tequila patron esm team they the cars simply showed up too late for them to go do the three 24-hour tests and otherwise so this was an experiment that i don't think anyone expected uh to, to turn out right and it didn't mm. you had a, a motor failure on one gearbox problem on the other both mazdas are much faster than last year but in doing that of course Andy, uh you're pushing more power through stressing things more and both had motor problems yeah. so it's, to me at least it's not a surprise the proven Liget with the mostly proven honda is the one that uh did the best out of the six one thing for mazda that bodes well for the later races in the season the shorter races they were running very long and at 58 minutes or thereabouts, they could certainly one-stop a two-hour race or two-stop anything under a three-hour race. And that might stand them in good stead. That's what gave them the position, of course, early in the race. Well, we have to say congratulations to Chip Ganassi because they did it right, not without any problems. The, the O2 car had more, uh, in fairness, but um, the, than, than we might have expected. But both of their cars, O2 and O1, had, had some issues. Um, but they get the victory, and well done to them, continuing a fabulous run. But provisional, the results are provisional, Marshall, and they are provisional for very good reason, because there's still, <laughs> there's still possibility that that might not be the way they finished across the line, might not be the results, and this time for something far less controversial than this time last year. Very, very true, Hindy. Uh, let's just say that uh, 
Yes, I think there's a reason that we are almost, well, granted, if you're in the UK and in Europe, you're essentially done with Wednesday. It's 2 o'clock California, 5 o'clock Eastern here. I think there's a reason that we're almost done with Wednesday and the official results have yet to be pushed out. So, um, yeah, for our friends here uh, on Midweek Motorsport, hopefully in about an hour, uh, you might have a good idea about a possible change to the uh, results when the official Official order is published. Uh, I'm presuming that's something to do with what Paul Trustwell spotted and no one else did for quite Uh, some time. The the beautiful mind that is Paul Trustwell, I won't pretend to know what goes on within that maze of numbers and analysis, but Mm. yes, you're you're dead on. Uh, Just after 10 o'clock, we're going to do a little bit of overtime tonight because we do uh, have so much that's the Daytona 24 hours Sebring is next month and we'll have a comprehensive preview of that and you can hear it all on IMSA radio of course and the support race as well we haven't had time to look at the continental race we'll try and do that in the next couple of weeks or so or at least mention it before we get to uh, to Sebring in their next round because that was a great race as well I thoroughly enjoyed doing the race call for that but whilst we've got uh, Marshall and Graham still here we've got a couple of matters uh, arising um, first of all we mentioned it in midweek motorsport uh, in passing uh, last week from Daytona, but Jeff Gordon Marshall has uh, announced he's stepping away from from well high level motor. It was an odd odd announcement. He didn't say he was packing in completely, but he sort of said he was stepping away certainly from the highest level of of, uh, of stock car racing. Yeah, uh, I guess sad in one sense, but, you know, then again, what, we've seen McNish, we've seen Christensen, we've seen Dario, a lot of the folks who comprised, you know, fans 1990s and 2000s and otherwise, you know, we're kind of at that transition phase for some of those drivers, and I, I guess Jeff is one of them, although I expected him to go on for a little bit longer, simply because how close was he to winning the championship last year, and uh, effectiveness is not in question with him, he is still top of his game but I guess if you've been going around in circles for so long there might come a time where you want your head to stop spinning and uh, yeah not sure exactly what that means will he never drive a race car again once he's done at the final race doesn't didn't sound like he was pushing in that direction but I can tell you that the minute the announcement came out uh, you had everyone saying Indy 500 uh, more Rolex 24s so if we're lucky uh, he'll transition into a role of fun. Hey, what do I want to do? All right, let's go to Bathurst. Let's go. Let's go to Dubai. Let's go play and have fun and do things on my own time. We can only hope that happens because he's a great guy, heck of an ambassador for the sport. I just wonder, Graham, as well as you know, we might see him coming over and doing some sports car races. He's he, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Robbie Gordon, they've all said they would like to do with the styles of racing in the park. In fact, Nick Damon interviewed Jimmy Johnson at Daytona a couple of years ago, and he uh, sadly, and he mentioned uh, sadly, Le Mans. That's five years ago. That is not five years <laughs> 2010. ago. 2010. Good God, that's amazing, isn't it? Is I think the answer, is, the answer is, on the, on the basis of what I saw for the press conference for the winners, the uh, Chip Ganassi loathed term uh, star car, uh, yes, please, because the guys were superb, uh, both in the car and in particular out of it. I thought they were subjected to what I would describe, and I'd be interested to hear what Marshall thought here, some 
utterly banal questions from uh, you know my colleagues in the media room some pretty dreadfully ropey stuff and the the classiness of all four of these guys in response uh, just showed the level of professionalism we saw it john this this year and i know you had on, on the phone you know we had the, the the guys across from the v8 supercars and how well mm. they deal with the media and yep. it's the same obviously for the nascar guys and the indycar guys tony canaan uh, you know a tip of the hat for his level of classiness uh, for any question you you put to him was utterly superb verbally as well as as I say behind the wheel and yes if if we do get the opportunity to see any of these guys uh, come and play you know in our backyard I think that would be a real head turner not just for the North American audience and that could only help by the way the Judy United Sports Car Championship uh, in terms of the profile that the sports car racing community gets but also the sport as a whole uh, I, I have to say, Graham, that it's about quality, not quantity, of people at tracks. We've said this before. You and I were part of an interview that Shea managed to find and has tweeted, where Patrick Dempsey was, was dragged into a room um, where we were doing something that was supposed to be off-limits to everybody else. And, of course, we wanted to make the room available, as did the people we were talking to. But the interview itself has to be seen to believe. And I know that Patrick wasn't too happy about having already done a, a couple of hours or certainly an hour's worth of other interviews to be dragged away to do a TV interview that talked about which house he'd just bought and, and various other things. Is there a is there a case if you haven't seen it by the way get on to follow at Gearbox Girl she has got the link and I think you've put the, the link up as well Graham. It is the funniest thing you've ever seen race uh, car ro- rockstar race yeah. car rock- awesome um, <laughs> and uh, I think as I, uh, I think as I said we ended we started with an awesome and we ended with the an opossum didn't we yes but, we did um, but, but is, is there a case is there a case for a little more what's the word I'm looking for um, a, a little more care when uh, press credentials are being given out certainly when access to some of the stars real stars of your paddock uh, is being allowed well racing is also this isn't it and I'm afraid that uh, the, the more interest you, you garner the more you get of this and uh, let's, be, let's be blunt here this wasn't just the kind of the tabloid sort of things on the lifestyle front. I was pretty appalled at the line of questioning and uh, that Jenna Fryer from AP actually came out with, trying to crowbar in a, uh, a kind of a story that uh, that Scott Dixon was the undoubted star of that star car, and uh, <laughs> implying that seven hours in a 24-hour race was, you know, an Iron Man superhuman feat. It's just over a quarter of it, Jenna. You know, it's it's at the end of the day, and it was not one question but two on that subject. And I watched the the uh, the faces of the other three guys in the car as well as Scott. It was kind of really, you know, at the end of the day, this is an intelligent sport. It deserves intelligent coverage, and Yes, you need a little bit of wham bam. Thank you, ma'am, in terms of the way you deliver it to a, to a waiting public. But um, you know, I'd like to see some of my colleagues using just a little bit more class. And certainly, that interview was just hilarious, John. I mean, it's 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 exactly what I loathe about modern culture: celebrity 
you know, over substance. And yeah. uh, I strongly suspect that that young lady will not be coming back uh, into uh, Mr. Dempsey's orbit anytime ever. You're listening to Midweek yeah, Motorsport. Uh, it is uh, Series 10, Episode 4. We're into overtime, and Tim Gray uh, wants to move on the conversation from looking back uh, to Sebring to looking forward to another American uh, season starting. What have you got for Marshall, uh, Tim? Uh, in the car, uh, which has its uh, official launch in about two weeks' time, um, have announced a new race director for 2015. Except he's not a new race director because he uh, did it for 14 years beforehand, from 1997 to 2011. It's the return of Brian Barnhart. Can I just follow the theme here by singing, Everything is Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so a couple quick things on the Brian Barnhart note. Uh, news in terms of it being officially announced wasn't news to some folks uh had some great conversations about this act prior to last weekend and then early this week um but regardless yes uh these uh, the, the new boss the same as the old boss i'll tell you this for indycar's diehard fans because that's all that's left and you know that if it's a big population that's a great thing but uh indycar's fans uh, certainly recall the battle days of brian barnhart as race director things reached a low point in 2011 uh the oval race in loudon in the rain certainly is one for all time uh that was soon remedied with the acquisition of one Bo barfield uh, but with Bo gone, we wondered who IndyCar's new unicorn Jesus would be, and we found out that it was their old race director, Brian Barnhart, traded one BB for another BB. All that stuff aside, I can tell you that, yeah, if Brian has not changed at all from the, his last go-round in 2011, there's a reason for people to be concerned. I don't think we're going to see that Brian. I think IndyCar fans, I think IndyCar drivers and team owners and otherwise uh, will see a wiser and more guarded or protected Brian Barnhart. And by that, I mean this. Uh, to those I've spoken with who've worked in and around him over the past few years, while he's been a steward but not the man in control in, in the tower, they have given him nothing but high marks about how good he is, how efficient he is. He really, truly works and, and runs, uh, helps to run thing in a, a highly efficient manner. Brian's downfall has been this is the guy who cannot wait to uh, you know blow the whistle and levy some sort of uh, penalty. He's uh, you know, over-officious. If people can get his finger off the trigger um, and ask him to take another lap or two to think about it, slow down his internal desire to drop the hammer, I think IndyCar is going to be fine. I don't think race control is going to be the calamitous affair that it once was. Uh, Derek Walker knows that. All those around Brian know his strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I would, I'll just, how's this? You can blame Brian Barnhart for whatever you want. You can hold whatever grudge about him based on past performance. If Brian Barnhart fails as a race director, I put the blame 100% on IndyCar not on him because they know the past they know the deficiencies and if they do not put a system around him where he is not allowed to have these hair trigger responses and penalties that's 100 percent on the series 
Can't disagree with that, Marshall. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Marshall Pruitt from racer.com on the ball as ever, and we'll uh, speak to him before, long before Sebring with our preview. Also, got to say yes. thank you to uh, Graham Goodwin. Although, uh, we should keep Graham on because we have a canoeist to reveal, Tim. Yes, uh, since lunchtime, uh, more than 70 people have guessed on the, on the Facebook page. Uh, who the canoeist was uh, only one person got it right um, but that did lead to the canoeist in question uh, joining the collective and uh, telling us more about the story so uh, <laughs> it was Joey Foster uh, in 2004 um, somewhere off the coast of Cornwall there you go and nothing that Graham Goodwin said Graham thanks for joining us uh, this week um We'll speak to you next week when we'll be in Australia, of course. Uh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, what a day and a half off, sitting in a seat watching movies, uh, but I've probably doing a little bit too much of that over the last six months, so uh, maybe a very large gin and tonic and a sleeping tablet. You, you, the bad news is that Midweek Motorsport for us starts at 7 o'clock in the morning next, oh week, next Thursday. <laughs> and don't so, forget uh, the following day, you've got the uh, Le Mans announcements. We do. Which is at uh, 1am your time, I believe? Yeah, I I doubt we'll be getting up for that somehow. No. Um, Unless, mm, well, we'll see. I think maybe you will. (laughs) mm, Graham and I are such diehards. Thanks, Graham, and thanks for your help at the weekend. Cheers, guys. still with us, is he? Uh, Nick Damon has not moved. He's been laughing and giggling. I would like to point out that if if Graham and John are not going to do the... uh, the announcements from Paris, then and I will simultaneously translate the French with the same talent in which I simultaneously translate Spanish. Absolutely. Yes, I think we probably <laughs> want to keep... probably be the end of Radio Le Mans' involvement with Le Mans forever. Uh, or the WEC or yes. the European Le Mans series, which we also uh, announced that day. I'm a little day. bit worried about that. The reason I asked um, if Nick was still yes, here... Perhaps we might have to get up then. Okay. The reason I asked uh, if Nick was still here... And that's just about John? it. No time for a pointless... John, of the week tonight, are you listening Jim, I don't to think? me? Are you still listening to me? As the Are you sorry? still listening to me? Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. I've been talking for about a minute and you've been... Well, that, that was rude. You were talking over the top of me. You talked <laughs> over the top of me. Oh, you... Let's look at who killed who. The reason I asked whether Nick was still here is uh, because in lieu of a pointless press release of the week... Ah, ah. Uh, what do Ferrari do with the press every winter? Take them skiing. Where do they do that? Oh, more zine or somewhere expensive. What did uh, Red Bull do on Tuesday? Uh, Took him skiing. Where did they do that? Milton Keynes Snow Dome. Indeed. <laughs> did they really? Yeah. That's fantastically <laughs> and funny. I look at all the background shots. They've, they've, the Sky did some, some uh, interviews there, and they've shot it in a way that you didn't know. It looks like they're on a ski slope, but How they're not. Fantastic. They're in the Milton Keynes Snow Dome. Mm. Which is, a, is it fair? So there's a good six miles from the uh, factory. Mm. And even further from where most of the journalists are based. Yes, hence the reason Sky Sports News turned up. Well, all the others are still in Mexico enjoying their freebie from Force India. From Force India sponsors? Sorry, Force India sponsors. Because Force India haven't got any money, but isn't going to that now. And that really is all we've got time for. Uh, coming up next, though, is a chance for you to relive the whole of the Rolex 24 Daytona starting with the IHG Rewards Club countdown to green uh, and then basically sit back and enjoy it again. Mazda would have you fast forward through to about an hour and 43 of the race when they started to to lead the race for the first time with the diesel engine. But 
And, you know, just leave it on in the background. If you've not got anything better to do, it was, frankly, a pretty good race all the way through. Uh, we'll be back at the same time, your time at least, next week. Uh, that's 3pm on the east coast of the States, 8pm in the UK. Work it out for yourself wherever you are. There's no time to explain because the llama oh, has just put in an overtime claim. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.